people i am josh rogers i am brian Hare, and we are here for another episode of your favorite podcast the best podcast the jigsaw podcast and you know what we do we talk about all the things but particularly we talk about the perils the praises Uh productivity and the pump and circumstance of being black millennial men in america we're just trying to figure it all out y'all brian how are you brother how you feeling Brother, it's a great day to be black. Mm-hmm. Um, we are on what 18 day 18 of Black History Month, day 17 of Black History yeah, Month. Day 17. Um, so it, it's you know, it just feels good. I'm out here being black. Uh, what about you? I'm good, but I'm I'm a concern. Well, why are you concerned? Reverend, you sound like you're underwater, you're, you're a little stuffy. <laughs> I am a little nasal. Is it anything you need to tell me? You got the be <laughs> Have you been attacked? Have you been pressed by the panini? <laughs> Do we need to call up the prayer warriors? <laughs> uh, man, no, nah, it ain't. It ain't the Rona. Um, it's just cold. So, <laughs> for my soul. <laughs> so, um, mm-hmm. um, Brooke went back to daycare. Okay. So, don't you blame this on my niece? She she got uh, she got sick. I want to say on Friday, mm-hmm. uh, and then of course she just she's the type of a kid that be sneezing in your face and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then she'll kiss you, and then them kisses be wet, and you can't like push her away. So mm-hmm. it's that daycare because children in general are nasty. Nasty. They just do things. <laughs> I'm like child. Like we've been in the bubble for a year, and then here we go. You leave out the house for a week, and then because well, I mean that's the thing too. Like in the midst of COVID, is regular sick even still a thing? Right, and that's because that's the thing I was thinking. Like man, she done went to this daycare. Got the Rona, and and, <laughs> and he, like a week. You you've been out of the house a week, and you come home bringing get everybody inflicted, uh, 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 infected. Um, but yeah, so we so she took a test, mm-hmm. um, and it came. She took she took two tests. She took the rapid test. Rapid test came back negative. Um, okay, and the other one that takes a little bit longer. We're supposed to get the results back within a day or so. So prayer warriors, be out there. Make sure we ain't got the Rona. Um, we summoning all the prayer warriors. The African angels. No. Angels from Africa. Angels from Africa. Angels from Africa. We need we we need Gabriel. <laughs> Gabriel. <laughs> the one who came and gave messages to Mary. That's the one I always call on. And I tell the Lord for certain things. If you want me to be responsive, send that one. Whoever convinced Joseph that his wife was a virgin and got pregnant by God, <laughs> I need that kind of revelation. Right. Send me that. Ain't don't send me nobody else because that Gabriel got swag to convince a man about that. Listen, how? <laughs> how? Ooh, <laughs> mighty God! So it's Black History Month. Uh huh. Did you watch? And I know you probably did because you are an honorary member of the Black Panther Party. I sure am. Have, have you watched Judas and the Black Messiah? I sure did. And now, out of all the things you be watching, now you didn't wait on this. Just came out last Friday. You didn't Man. wait on this one. <laughs> Man, got some things just, just you just, I just, I can't. It deserves your immediate attention. Oh yeah, Fre- okay. Fred, Fred Hampton, Black Panther Party, immediate. Like stop everything I'm doing, like 
woman of God, man of God, whoever is going to stop. You're not stopping me from watching this. And I've been waiting my, my whole life for a Fred Hampton movie. Mm-hmm. And they fa- finally gave us one. And I think they did a good job with it. And like, so your elevator pitch of, of, of immediate thoughts. Uh, immediate thoughts. Although Fred Hampton was a 21 year old when he was murdered, uh, assassinated. Yeah. Um, and the uh, William O'Neill was also a young man. I don't think the movie lacked because of the actors were older than the than those gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also don't think the movie lacked because the main character, and I can't think of his name. I can't remember his name. Um, Daniel Aiello has his name? No. What is Daniel Kalua or something Daniel like that? Daniel Kalua. Yeah. I, I can't I'm not gonna discredit the fact that he's not from America. Um I mean, because Hollywood has his thoughts. Black Hollywood does. Oh yeah. But I I, I think he did a great job with Oh yeah, absolutely. Hampton. Absolutely. Like he had the 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 how because Fred Hammond was an orator, but he had it like country kind of sounding, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And I think he did a great job, kind of like I am. A revolutionary. <laughs> yeah, like he had he had it down. So if you go out there, people out there, if you have it, you don't not familiar with Fred Hampton, go out there and like watch some of his interview interviews and speeches and stuff like that. And um our good brother from the, the other side of the pond did a great job of of we're talking about embodying somebody. Yeah, he did it. Oh, yeah. He did that. He's definitely has is cementing himself as one of the greatest black actors of our time. Oh yeah. yeah, and, and I'm gonna say this: Lakeith did a great job too. He oh, Lakeith, Lakeith is in that category as well. Oh like yeah, that, he bodies pretty much every role he gets as well. Yeah, he did a great job with that too. And like so, William O'Neill is like a character that you like, you hate, and like Lakeith did such a great job. He's such a, I won't say revered. I don't want to give him that adjective yet, but he is he like he's he's on his way, and people really oh, yeah. respect Lakeith's art. So the fact that he was able to like play this kind of villainous character mm-hmm. kind of speaks volumes to his ability, you know, his 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 acting chops and and things right. like that. I love the movie as well, Brian. Uh, I watched mm-hmm. it the night it premiered or the the night that it came out. Rather, I don't know if we're still premiering movies anymore, but oh, no. yeah, I watched it on HBO Max. Shout out yeah. to my sister for giving me her password. <laughs> <laughs> so I watched it there, and it was and it was it was amazing. My I have one critique. Okay, what is that? Villainize white people more. Villainize yes, them. I, would agree. I mean, show and they did. I think this movie did a great job of that. Mm-hmm. But like, show the nastiness of what they, right. who they were and are in some cases. Uh-huh. Um, and like the like J. Edgar Hoover is by far one of the most damning. Oh yeah, individuals. He's a devil. Um, he he literally crawled so Trump could run. Yep. So <laughs> like, yep. you know what I'm saying? So yeah. But other other than that overall and that's not even really a critique it's just my own personal like i want to see if we're going to do these black portrayals and black films on history like let's let's not modernize or romanticize like, that's the word i'm looking for mm-hmm. white people in any way anyway right. let them be as nasty and as villainous as they as they were in history um but yeah man it, it was it was absolutely amazing they need they deserve all the awards and all oh, of yeah. the things. Um, speaking of black television, there was something that came on yesterday, and I'm going to openly admit that I have not seen it. But it was the Black Church documentary on PBS. Okay. Have you? I we started like 30 minutes of it. 
Okay, so no, you didn't either. So okay, yeah, we, we you know, that don't care. Yeah, no. <laughs> okay, it, it was a, it was it was a slow go at the beginning. I can imagine. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I just didn't have the capacity to to to. And it's two it's two episodes, and I think they're both like hour and a half, maybe hour forty five hours. Right. Of uh, uh, it's it's a black church. What do you think it's gonna be? Yeah, I mean I know. <laughs> Lord Jesus, but okay, I, that's a weekend watch because I don't have plans this weekend, so that is a weekend watch. Um, Brian, mm, yes, I know you don't have the Rona be gonna, mm-hmm. but in the middle of your normal sickness, do you have a song of the week? Are we prepared? I do, okay. Well, serenade us or okay. rap to us or whatever it is, you're <laughs> okay. Let me get the Get my stuff together. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna be in good voice because clearly, you don't sound like Keith Sweat. Make it last forever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how am I gonna do this? Uh, um, okay, so <clears throat> it's Black History Month, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to sing the song, the lyrics. I'm just going to give you the hook because I don't have the, the voice for this. Okay. It's all right. And we it's, all right. And it's very simple. And it's say it loud. I'm black and I'm proud. Ah, okay. Say it loud. Mm-hmm. I'm black and I'm proud. Oh, uh, my God. Uh, you can stop uh, right there, brother. <laughs> you, that's, you got a struggle throw. We pray it. No, no, no. That's no, all, no, all I got. Okay. That's all you that's got. That's all I got. I, I, will, do the, I will do the You lyrics, came to but... Jesus just as you were, weary, wounded, and sad. <laughs> That you found in him a resting place, and he gonna make yeah. you glad. Whew, I double whole shot. I felt that. I, I felt that come up. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> I don't know where that thing just hijacked me. Holy, <laughs> holy ghost. Woo wee! Mighty God, nothing like the goodness of our Lord and Savior. Yes. Yeah. Speaking of black church, I, th- I think we talked about the church and that thing creeped up. And right, I should have did the gospel song. You should have did, did one. Song. Should have some sounds of blackness. Be optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, as long song, as you keep your head to the, the sky. sky. Ain't that from California? <laughs> that sounds like some old California black hippie stuff. <laughs> Think about this. The, 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 the choir's name is Sounds, sounds of, blackness. of Blackness. I'm 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 kind of ashamed that I did not do a, a Sounds of Blackness song. <laughs> At all, we how many more weeks do we have of Black we, History we, Month? We get one more week. Oh man! But next week we have to do a medley. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm good for one of those. <laughs> oh man, are you ready to get into the show? Yeah, brother, let's just do it. Let's do it. Let's go to the Blessed Report and talk about some Black excellence. All right. Yeah. All right, we're here at the Blessed Report where we, you know, give shout outs and bless up black people who are doing great things. Black people Mm -hmm. do great things all the time. We're always making history. Black excellence is not just something we do um, some days. It's something we do every day. That's right. Uh, Shout out to all black people doing great things. Um, Congresswoman Stacey Plasic. Plasic. Plasket. Plasket. I'm sorry. Um, She's a Brooklyn native. For those that know, she's not a she's a Brooklyn native. Um, she obtained a degree in history and diplomacy before graduating from American University, Washington College of Law. Uh, she worked mm-hmm. as a DA 
in the Bronx as a health ethics committee uh, council and as a polit- political appointee to the Justice Department under former President George W. Bush. Nice. So off of that, in general, I'm like, okay, she's had some things. She worked with Bush. I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a still going to love her, right? Mm-hmm. We gonna love her anyway. It's, I mean, it's just, it's just nice to see a black woman in that spot. It general. is, it is, mm-hmm. it is. Um, we had Condoleezza during the Bush administration, and we had mm-hmm. Colin Powell. So, so black people were in that administration, and we do right. know that Bush loves him a black woman. Shout out to Michelle. Shout out to Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> Congressman Plaskett, uh, she uh, was selected as a delegate in Congress 2014. For those who who are still saying, like, who is this woman or who is this young lady? Um, Recently, she served as the first non-voting delegate in the House to hold the title of impeachment manager. It was the only black woman on the team. So, again, she was the person who was in charge of trying to get Donald Trump impeached again, uh, trying to get the facts, let people know that he should be impeached. And although Donald Trump was acquitted because we have a slew of spineless white supremacist Republicans jellybacks who are afraid of Donald Jamal Trump. Um, She didn't get him out of there, but she did it with style, grace, class. um, And she did her her, her best uh, job. So shouts out to Congressman. Bless up to Congresswoman. Uh, Stacey Plaskett. It wasn't your fault. You did your due diligence. You did your job. Um, but the folks are scared. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I'm sorry. You said style and grace, and it just made me think of Christopher Wallace. Oh. To all the ladies in the place with, with style, style and grace, grace, allow me to lace these lyrical dishes. In you. That is a line. He Wait said a lyrical dishes. <laughs> in your bushes. In your bushes. <laughs> I'm so sorry, my brother. I hate to interrupt you, but you said that, and I just couldn't help but to think of it's it. It's okay. It's Black History Month. And Christopher Because that is the only Christopher Wallace. we acknowledge. We and don't a- do no Columbus. Right. And we do acknowledge Christopher Moore. Shout out to Christopher Moore. Bless up to him. I see it when I see it. <laughs> <laughs> That's my brother, but he ain't like got no holiday. <laughs> he ain't got no holiday. <laughs> no. We do acknowledge him on, you know, on our friendship global friendship brother level but we talk about it in terms of, of you know what I'm saying I ain't gotta fix this I said <laughs> what I said I'm not being hey, what PC. you said was I'm not, <laughs> some, yeah I'm not being PC for Chris Chris we love you friend of the pod we do but. love you friend of the podcast entrepreneur <laughs> um all right so that's that's the bless up so bless up to um Congresswoman Plaskett um uh, going to the black bless a black history moment uh James that I'm, I'm tripping tonight. Um, this uh, man of God is how um, thorough flu, y'all. Something. Brother, <laughs> I'm, I'm in the clouds forever. Um, uh, Jane Bolin. Mm-hmm. Um, not a familiar name to most people now in every household. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jane Bolin is a pioneer in law. Jane Bolin was the first black woman to attend Yale Law School in 1931, which is huge because they wasn't really letting black people in certain schools during that time. Especially not the Ivies. Right. Uh, in 1939, she became the first black female judge in the United States, where she served for 10 years. That's huge. Um, one of her significant contributions that her career was working with private employers to hire people based on their skills, as opposed to discriminating against them because of their race. And we do know that that is huge. And it's yes. still happening to the in this 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 day and age in 2021 in the year of our Lord. Listen, they'll be wanting to hire Ladasha. Right. Just when they see the name. Right. 
They be thinking Ladasha Jenkins is black. And 99.9% of the time, she is. <laughs> she is. But that don't mean that she ain't qualified. Right. Um, so she also served on the boards of the NAACP, Child Welfare League of America, and the Neighborhood Children's Center. So bless up Black History Moment to Jane Boland. Black women are doing great black things. We do support, salute, um, and we love our black queens. So continue to do great things, black women. Um, shows that y'all were doing stuff in the past. Y'all continue to do things in the future. The future is black woman. I'm going to say that now. The future is the black woman. Um, so that's what I got for the blessing report. Josh, do you have anything for the billboard? <clears throat> I think we got some stuff. Let's get into it. Okay. So this week in the billboard, there's been some hype around. Um, this is the merger of this particular point of Josh's athletic abbreviations because we're going to talk okay. about Russell Wilson. He okay. is the, the star quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks. That is in um, Seattle, Washington. If you're unfamiliar, their colors are like blue and green. You know, mm -hmm. I know the things. Uh -huh. um, he revealed his biggest fear quarterback did. And he said um, in, in the Modern Love edition of the GQ magazine, which as a side note, they had an amazing photo spread. They, they bodied those okay. pictures if you hadn't seen them. Oh, I'm sure. But, um, I mean, like, they are a very handsome couple. So they are. I, I, they are. I give it to them. But in the, in the midst of this conversation, Wilson and Sierra asked each other what their biggest fears were. And Sierra said hers was not being prepared. And Russell responded by saying that he feels um, his fears bigger than hers. Sierra, you know, it was losing Sierra. And he's been getting some backlash about it, particularly from, I think, toxic um, self-loathing black men, black men uh -huh. um, who are unable to, you know, saying see the beauty in their relationship. And Brian, just you know, I won't go down the rabbit hole because I can have uh -huh. the conversation uh -huh. about it. But I think in general, if we think through the relationships for all those who are married, the relationships that we have with our wives, right, and what we built, what we are building, what we think about building in terms of just not just wealth, but like our families and. Mm -hmm. Everything that comes with that level of partnership, that is a if you were to lose that, that is a major loss. Oh, yeah. It's, you know it's, what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so I think his statement was less about him like placating to women's emotions and things like that. Right. And more so just a disruption of culture. Right. Because if you really love your wife and you value everything she brings to the table, there's no way that if you lost her, you would not be distraught. And oh, yeah. to think and a lot of times we don't fear certain things because we don't think about it. But right. if you really think about that, that's just something that should be concerning. Oh, yeah. Whether that's through divorce, whether that's through God forbid divorce or, you know, God forbid, you know, death. Either way, that is a major loss. Oh, so like, I, I don't understand. I, I've seen the backlash. And while like I can like look at it and read it, whatever, I don't necessarily understand it because. Bro, like, like, what are you saying? And then at the same time, that's that man's biggest fear, right? And if, if you ain't scared, you little wife, then don't lose. I mean, then I mean, right. don't be scared, right? You know, if if your wife basic better than just say that, but otherwise, <laughs> don't be don't be right here tearing down Russell Wilson and the Sierra household. But never the less, our girl Issa Rae disappointed us a few weeks ago mm -hmm. um, by saying that Insecure was coming up on his fifth and final season. However. She gave us a bone uh -huh. by saying that she's going to create a new show called um, Rap Stuff. <laughs> read between the lines. Uh, she announced that she's teaming up with an insecure writer, uh, Sarita Singleton, and the, and the City Girls. <laughs> yes. <laughs> For an eight-episode series named Rap-ish. 
Um, the show will air on HBO Max and has been in development since 2019. Um, it will follow two estranged high school friends from Miami who reunite to form a rap group. And it makes perfect sense for us city girls. Like, you know, Young Miami and um, JT. the other girl? JT, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? You know, they, you know, we love City Girls. We love right the here. City Girls. Friends of the podcast. City Girls right Friends of the podcast. Uh, so we're excited about that show to see what that's going to be like. Um, keeping that same thread going, Dave Chappelle. Chappelle's show is returning to Netflix. If you remember, um, it appeared on HBO Max and Netflix, and people were excited. However, things change when Chappelle asked his fans to boycott the show, not the, uh, you know, not like Monique and boycott the network. <laughs> <laughs> but the but his show in particular, because uh, he revealed he wasn't getting paid for his shows or the names or the likeness of his names, name. And Netflix actually pulled the show down. But it looks like Chappelle got his way. He's now getting that Cohen for his show, and it will be on Netflix soon. So we appreciate that. Um, number one, the fans are really showing out and doing something that really, you know, moved like something tangible that we could really do. And right. it moved, it moved the network, it sparked change, and he's getting his coin, which he should have been getting all along. And again, we're going to talk about the terrible deals that happens in Hollywood and in music, but that was one of them. And, you know, people, most of the black delegation excited to see Dave Chappelle back on air. I'll refrain from my personal comments because that does not matter in this African-American month that is Black History Month. All right. Uh, <laughs> speaking of historic things, the miseducation of Lauren Hill. Now, Brian, would you venture to say that it is one of the greatest hip hop albums of all time? Hip hop, it's, I would have put it said the best RB album of all time. One of the best RB albums of all time. But she won the Grammy for rap. It's true. That's the versatility of Lauren Hill. Mm-hmm. She, she, if she would have went crazy, she would have been Drake. Yes. So would you say it is the one of the greatest albums of all time? Yes. Of if all, I if I was of every album across every genre. Yeah. If I were just if I was stranded, I was stranded on a desert island and I had to bring five albums, Mr. Education Law Hill would be one of them. Okay. So that's heavy. I don't disagree. Um announced that she was the first female rapper in history to ever have an album sale 10 million copies. That joint was released in 1998. I was a mere nine years old. How old were you, Brian? <laughs> in 98? Mm-hmm. Like that make you like I was, 13? I was born in 85. Yeah, about 13. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, young whippersnappers we were. And it has <laughs> <laughs> several hits, and it's considered a classic, you know, R&B, neo-soul, hip-hop, rap. I mean, it's, it's just, it's classic. Everything. It's versatile. It does all the things. Um, this musical milestone is even more significant because music streaming has caused these album sales to go up. And just so you all know, this is no indication that she's given us another album. It's she's just not. the acknowledgement of the greatness of her work, which is the miseducation of Lauren Hill. So although we've done the Blessed Report, bless up to you, sis, for going diamond and doing all the things. All right. One of her peers, mm-hmm. D'Angelo. Uh-huh. He had a track on the album. He did have a track on the album, one of my favorite songs. Mm-hmm. Favorite love songs, favorite R&B songs. Yep. He's going to be in the next Versus. Oh, all right. He's going to be in this. it, and it's called D'Angelo and Friends. Now, we had to sit through uh-huh. the chitlin' circuit of Versus's with Ashanti and Cole, mm-hmm. and it was rescheduled 35 times, and then they was 18 years late. You know, for the show and all of the things, and then we had the E42 short thing, like, girls, we, uh, 
What is y'all name? <laughs> Timberland and Swiss Beats. Swiss. What was y'all doing? <laughs> oh, like I don't. That, that was a low moment in versus history. However, we, we got another good one with D'Angelo. Now here's my beef. Okay. I don't know who the friends are. Right. But they better be good friends. And I feel like this is gonna be less of a versus and more of just like a, a low key concert. Yeah. But, just, which I think is good because. We ain't seen D'Angelo in like years, and you know he, he could be fat, he could be muscular. We Who never knows? know what we're gonna get. We just he just <laughs> he just reappeared, and it wouldn't be you know what I D'Angelo may just come out and be behind the black screen, and just have his music play. <laughs> right, we don't know what that man's gonna do. He is such a a mysterious character. So but mysterious. What? Are, who are some of the friends you would like to see, Brian? Let's 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 let's. let's uh, it's not gonna happen, but I would love to see Lauren. It's not gonna happen. She will come in the last five minutes, kind of like Dion Warwick just popped out at the end of that verse. He's <laughs> <laughs> gonna pop up at the end. Um, give me, I want the roots to be the, the 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 house band. Yes, absolutely. Give me the roots as a house band. Um, give me Erica Badu. Yeah. Um, I don't know who who do you who would you like to see? I'm not mad at like an Angie Stone. That'll be good. I'm not mad at Angie Stone. Um, I wouldn't be mad at a um uh, like a Raphael Sadiq. Ooh, be here. Mm-hmm. Yep, not mad at that. Um, not mad at like a Tony Tony Tone. Like, even though there's like these are people that's like not in the same genre, but like right. some of these people don't have I mean, we're gonna keep it a book. D'Angelo mm-hmm. has hits on hits, but if we talk about like a, a true versus, right? He ain't got like 20 chart topping songs. If we're no, gonna keep not, it a book, not chart top it, like, yeah, if, and that's like, kind of what. But again, we've we've talked about this at length. That's what verses is about, right? It right. is that 20 hits. And while like brown sugar is a no skip for me and you, right? You know, um, what's the song when we get by? If you ain't no D'Angelo fan, you don't even know what that song is, right? You know, Jones and the Bones, you know what I'm saying? Right. You, you don't really know what that is, right? So, um, so I think this is good, and it kind of speaks to a point we made earlier about like the SWV escape in Vogue. Like, it's gonna right. it would take three of them. So, mm-hmm. I hope that, like, like we said, Angie Stone, some of those other people, hope we get to see some really dope folk, um, be a part of this versus. Although Erica was already in one, it would just be dope to see them vibe together. Oh, like, yeah. Like you said, Lauren Hill might not, but then again, she she showed up for the Queen and Slim soundtrack. True. So she might, she might she, pop up, fam. She, she might, and she might need a little bit of money. She might pop up, and she popped up when her daughter had the little uh, interview about you know she she responded. Yeah. So she might. She's somewhere. I I think she's more sensitive about her art. Which is right. what could complicate things. But girl, you just you just press and play. You just need a DJ. You ain't gotta. It ain't gotta be. You know, and y'all end it with nothing even matters. Let that be. That'll be the hot. That'll that'll make up for all the trash that twenty twenty one started us off with, bruh. Like they if, if they sing that song, like I'm I'm through. I'm like I'm 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 gonna be sitting on February twenty seventh. I'm gonna be sitting there. Oh yes, We're it's gonna be on. I'm watching it. Like watching nothing else things. is happening. I'm what at eight o'clock. We try to put Brooklyn yes. to bed, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, who watching things? You know, something me. else I want to see. Although what? y'all might not agree, I want him to bring out Smokey Robinson and let them do cruising together. That would be that would be Just dope, though. Sing it together. That would be kind of dope, though. That would be dope. 
And so I don't think Smokey Robinson is above doing that. He did the song with uh Anderson Pack, so I would mm-hmm. I would have. Yeah, I don't I think he think... would either. Yeah, and and D'Angelo did a really great remake. Oh like, yeah, it's really might be better than the original. I'll probably listen to the. I would definitely remake. would too, but I got an old school playlist, and the original Cruises on my old school playlist. But yeah, you know, beyond the fact that Smokey Robinson face ain't gonna move, that'll be an amazing. <laughs> An amazing upgraded uh, or you know duet that we didn't think may not have happened. And we and I feel like that kind of thing needs to happen before because Smoke is one of our legends. So before he, he clock is. up on out of here, yep, we we need that kind of moment. You know we what I'm do. saying? We need to we need to see, we need to see the things. We need so his flowers. We need to get smoking his flowers. Smokey is solid with the miracles. His hand, his pen, like all of that Motown stuff. Motown. Yeah, let me, let me let's just let's take pause for the call. Smokey Robinson does not get the respect that he deserves. Oh, absolutely does not. He does not. And y'all can say um, what y'all want to say, but that man's peeing all those beautiful oh, yeah. temptations and supremes, all that stuff. That's ain't on top of that. He was doing his own stuff. Like, yep, the man's career and just his body of work is just amazing. Yep. Um, but bro, we got somebody in the living room. We do. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are excited about the conversation you're about to have. So um, grab your drink, your snack, Brian. You grab your Theraflu and your tea, I your, am. your hot toddy over there. And right. let's let's go over. <laughs> We're going to get you a, a heated blanket oh, and a okay. neck pillow to sit on the couch <laughs> to relax yourself a little bit over here in the living room. We're going to stress you too much, man of God. But let's oh, go ahead you. and head thank over you. to the living room. I sound room. like Mr. Blake. Let's go on and head over to the living room. <laughs> you, 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 you ain't gonna throw me off on this here show, not tonight. I got some control. We're gonna head on over to the living room, to the living room, and we're gonna get into this conversation. All right. All right, ring a ling a ling. We have a very special person in the building today or the living room today. Uh, we're excited about the conversation where we're talking about black culture. Yeah. Uh, and we have a, I want to say, I would call him a black culture expert. Um, I'm a little biased. Uh, we have Scott Roberts in the building. Uh, Scott, can you please introduce yourself? Tell the people about who you are and what you do. Yeah, I'm S- Scott Roberts. Um, I'm the, my day job, I'm the senior director of criminal justice and, de- and democracy campaigns at Color of Change. Uh, we're the largest uh, online racial justice organization in the country. Um, I'm really not here today on behalf of Color Change, though. Officially, uh, I'm on sabbatical, so <laughs> I'm not doing okay. anything officially for Color Change. But you know, Do you um, want to talk about that. <laughs> they will. <laughs> they, I'm sure they will trip if they hear this. Um, but yeah, man, I'm. You know, uh, Brian. You, you know, you mentioned be a bias, but uh, for transparency's sake, you know. Brian's my brother-in-law. He married my <laughs> sister. Excellent choice on both parts. Um, so. You know what I mean? Father to my only niece, Brooklyn. So, you know, uh, happy to be here <laughs> to do anything to, you know, keep the family ties together. But also just really excited about this topic. You know, that's that's really it, man. Okay. Well, definitely glad to have you in the building. Absolutely. Um, do you like games? Uh I love games. I live for games. I'm very competitive. <laughs> uh, so is this, a, is this a game I can win? Uh, I, I guess. I don't know if it's really a game you can win. Or lose. It's more like bragging rights. <laughs> okay, I love bragging rights. I, I live for bragging rights. Let's do it. Okay. All right. So it's a game that we kind of play here called This or That. So I mentioned two things, and then you kind of 
you have to let us know which one you choose, either this or that. Okay? All right. All right. All right. We'll start off pretty easy. Uh, Let's do movies. Um, Spike Lee's Malcolm X. Oh. Hmm. Spike Lee's Malcolm X. Or do the right thing. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I just knew it was going to be Malcolm X. I I said we're going to start easy. We're going to start easy. Spike, man. I seen Spike yelling over Stephen A. Smith today on... um, uh, first take. I don't know when y'all gonna put this out, but that was a uh, on on Wednesday. Because um, uh, they did, they was at Morehouse. Other mm-hmm. connection. Me and Josh, both Morehouse men. Very excited about that. But um, I'm I'm gonna go with Malcolm X. Um, it's a very very difficult choice. Uh, but I remember, you know, I saw Malcolm X in the theater when I was a kid. Um, mm-hmm. My aunt Mary took uh, me and my brother to see it. Um, I had already read the book. And um, I think Denzel's performance is probably the probably the deal breaker for me. It's less about I think Spike probably did his thing more so with do the right thing. I mean, he he wrote that you know from mm-hmm. scratch as opposed to obviously just ad- adapting the autobiography of Malcolm X. So, but yeah, Denzel man, I mean, he became Malcolm X to me. Like I, when I see videos of actual Malcolm X speeches, I'm like, that's who is that? You know? <laughs> so, but yeah, man, it was it was you know Malcolm X is also hella long. You know, but mm-hmm. it's almost yes. like multiple. <laughs> it's, like, it's like multiple movies, and it's fitting because Malcolm had those like transformations in his life, right? Where he, you know, mm-hmm. um, became a new man over and over again, right? But um, yeah, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Malcolm. Okay. Um, all right, it goes another one. It's a little harder. Uh, okay. D'Angelo's Brown Sugar or oh. Lauren Hill's Miseducation of Lauren Hill. Oh, <laughs> that is hard. Bro, what you trying to do to me? See, you ain't going to get to none of these other topics, man. <laughs> Putting out stuff like this. Um, brown Sugar or Miseducation? Man. <laughs> I'm going to save mine. I'm going to save mine. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say... I'm going to say Miseducation. It's, okay. Extremely hard. <laughs> I would put Miss. I would actually put Miss Education behind the other two D'Angelo albums because you you hit, you hit me with the, the two spikes. I thought you was gonna hit me with two D'Angelo's, and I was. I would definitely mm-hmm. say uh, Voodoo and Black Messiah. You know, above Miss Education, but I think Miss Education, man, it was just a, a monster. Um, like, and uh, you know, I remember when um, y'all too young to remember this, but. I remember when um, uh, Lost Ones dropped. Um, I was I was listening to One Hundred Three Jams out of Portsmouth, Virginia, and they were like, "Yo, new thing from Lauren Hill." I just, you know, she just came so hard, you know. And then the album itself was so flexible. Um, Brian, you notice know I grew up in a record store. My mm-hmm. pops had like a mom and pop record store um, back home, and. Uh, he and I worked in there every Saturday, and we just had it on repeat. It was something that, like, we both... That was the first album I can remember that was, like, of my generation that we both mm-hmm. were super into. Um, so it, it stands out to me from that perspective. Um, I just feel like she crushed it. You know, I do got to give it up to Brown Sugar. Like, Brown Sugar and Baduism really launched the whole neo-soul movement. Um, D'Angelo was like a, you know, breath of fresh air. Um you know, my, I remember my other aunt Linda telling me that it was it was head music, which I didn't understand. Okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> for a few uh, 
for a few more years, but I did understand it eventually. Um, uh, yeah. So anyway, that's my that's my Bradshaw story. Okay. <laughs> All righty. All right. Uh, okay. Uh, I got another easy one. Well, it's easy to me. Uh, Martin Luther King or Malcolm oh, X? Come on, man. Um, that ain't fair. This is so unfair. Um, that's not easy, Brian. To me, it's, easy. it's, it's clear. <laughs> Why is it clear? Why is it so clear? I need to know your answer there because it's definitely yeah. not clear to me. Um, <clears throat> man, I think for me, it's probably is King. Um, oh, okay. I actually probably more aligned with like ideologically with Malcolm on things like self defense. Um, I'm definitely not of the you know nonviolence as a way of life mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. philosophy that. Uh, Martin eventually came to, uh, you know, my reading and, and understanding is, you know, he started off with nonviolence as a strategy, right? Because mm-hmm. you're taking on, um, you know, people who have a monopoly on violence. So, you, yeah. you know, you can't beat them with violence. Um, and you can, but you can expose their violence through, through nonviolent direct action. Um, but I think that, you know, um, the work that I do, you know, I'm a strategist. I run campaigns. I, my my job is to figure out how do we get people with power to make the right decisions, change their behaviors, whatever. And I feel like uh, I've I've gotten more from King in that sense. You know, Malcolm was someone who was doing very important work. It feels to me more like of building up the black community, mm-hmm. um, which I think is incredibly important. And there's still a lot of people doing that really important work, but. I would say King has been more of an inspiration to me from a sense of, um, as a kind of campaign strategist, tactician mm-hmm. uh, for the movement. Yeah. Okay. Good answer. Um, and then I got one last question. Uh, it's, it's, right. a, it's a fill in the blank. Oh. Or, fi- or finish this line. Okay. It's a, favorite, it's a famous black saying. Oh, wow. Um, so I, that's the <laughs> right answer. You gotta have the right answer. There is a right answer. There is a right answer. Okay, Okay. feeling the pressure now. Come on. Yes, it's yes. They deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell. Come on now. (laughs) (laughs) Now that was easy. That was easy. So I I want to I want to throw you uh, out of you there. So yes, yes, they deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell. You know what I'm saying? And I believe that they did deserve to die. And And that's from yeah, that's from a time to kill. Time to kill. Y'all more house brother. Samuel Jackson. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know who the name of his character. I wish I could hit you with that too right now. But yeah, man, I mean, he did the right thing. He did the right thing. Let's call back to the first question. Cool. Okay. So um, let's get into the conversation. Let's get into the conversation. Let's get into it, bro. Okay. So we're here to talk about black culture. Um, and let's just start it off this way. Um, what is your definition of black culture? Ooh. Um, Loaded. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's impossible to define. I think you know. I mean, I I feel like culture, just in general, is the are the you know the connective tissue, the ties that bind you know um, groups of people, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, me and Josh went to Morehouse. That's a culture, mm-hmm. you know, the Morehouse culture, right? Like um, you know, there's a theoretically there's an American culture, right? Like so, I mean, you have. Have it be small or as big, I guess, as, as um, you can imagine. But I think, you know, um, and then this question of black culture is also just, you know, it's one of my questions coming in. It's kind of like, are we talking about black American culture? 
or black culture within the United States. I'm assuming that's what we're talking about. Like, you know, it gets really broad if we get beyond that. But I think within within the U.S., uh, black culture is, um, again, you know, those the 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 practices, the institutions, um, the cultural products like art, music, film, things mm-hmm. that um, that you know, are produced through the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think black culture is really rooted in, in struggle, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, it's, it comes down to, um, you know, being a, a people who have, who, you know, entered into this society from a you know, super oppressed position. And a lot of our culture has been, de- you know, developed um, as a result of that. So it's, I think, you know, black culture is, undeniably American right mm. because it's created in that context um, but really distinctive I think from the rest of society mm-hmm. um, and you know it's, culture is also also contested you know what I mean like mm-hmm. black people we're really good to be like is that black you know mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> is it black enough you know mm-hmm. um, and that's with things people whatever right so um I think that's a real, to me that's a really important part important part of of culture right it's like is there's a there's a contest over you know what what the values of a culture are mm-hmm. um you know what we stand for um what's acceptable and that a lot of that gets defined i think within um every day we're arguing about that i think <laughs> within black culture so in like even just thinking about what you said, I, I guess the, the greater question is like, do we have black people on, on like, how do we define like, is that black enough? Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't eat chicken. Right. You know, so how, like, well, you know what I'm saying? Well, I, I saw somebody, a girl today post on Facebook, you know, she said, I'm going to admit it's Black Christian Month and I don't like gravy. And everybody like, they... They don't killed like gravy. It. it was like, girl, what, like you, what you put on your rice? What you eat with your oxtails? What, what you I'm, doing? Are you mashed potatoes? What are you doing? What are we doing? I'm with her. I'm not. A, I'm not big on. Now that. wait a minute. Oh, the, come on now. Hey, you, you can't be out here eating these dry mashed potatoes. <laughs> I definitely. I mean, first of all, if your mashed potatoes shouldn't be dry, even they shouldn't be dry. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But if you get a good piece of smothered chicken, you tell them you know you don't like the smothered chicken either. It's, I, I love gravy. Pour no. pour gravy on anything. Listen. Put it on, on some biscuits. I like uh, sauce. I, I'll drink mm-hmm. some some gravy. Listen, just sop it up. <laughs> I'm just, I don't like a lot of mess, I'll be honest. Um, but I'm sorry, your question was. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no, no. Yeah, we definitely deviated. No, but the question is, like, how, how like, within our black culture, though, how is it, like, how do we define, or how do you think, right, yeah. we come up with these notions of what is black or, like, these kind of defining concepts of our culture? Yeah. I think that's a really interesting question. I think, you know, I mean, things, certain things are handed down generationally. Mm-hmm. Some things change you know i feel i do think that as black people we're like our culture is probably more is this the right word heterogeneous as it's as it's ever been like mm-hmm. there's more diversity amongst black people in terms of um ways of life lifestyle belief values probably that um I, that has been in the past i think okay. um but i think um you know how do we determine what's black? I feel like you know we're always arguing about it. I mean, to, to, um, <laughs> we, <laughs> um, and that's part of like I think how culture gets defined, right? Um, I I think there are there are institutions and even individuals, right, who mm-hmm. get us more of a say. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like um, 
if something came out of the black church, you're like, that's black, right? Right. (laughs) Right. Preaching gospel music. Like, you know, it means you can just look at the roots of it and say, that's really black, right? Right. Um, And um, so I I think that's like, you know, really critical. I'm big on institution building. You know, that's why I do the work that I do in the way that I do it with an institution. There's a lot of, you know, people who are doing activism now Mm -hmm. um you know social media stuff just really empowers people to like you know have their own platform right right which i think is dope but you know for me um i think you know as a black community we have to maintain our institutions like the black you know black religious institutions black um educational institutions like hbcus um and we need to be building you know the, the new ones that we need right um but yeah, I think so I, so. I do think that you know some some there are certain things that there are that are that give can give a stamp of approval, you mm-hmm. know, based on the roots of things or whatever. But um, you know, there's always new stuff. You know, what I mean, like things get debated. I'm trying to think of a good example. Like I feel like even within music, I look at somebody like. Um, Childish Gambino, right? Mm-hmm. Might come okay. out and people, and, and I mean, I think he, um, Donald Glover, as he goes as a comedian, like his first, um, or one of his comedy specials was called Weirdo or something like that, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I feel like he was somebody who probably right up until um, that album that had Redbone and all that stuff uh-huh. on it, uh-huh. he was kind of looked at like, mm, you know, right. <laughs> how, how black <laughs> is this? You know what I mean? Because um he didn't come even within hip-hop right like if you don't come through one of those institutions right like who co-signed you who said that you were legitimate um things of that nature right so um you know sometimes we you know we're a little skeptical even of black folks when they're doing things because we're like is this how black is this you know um can we accept that um yeah Okay, um, and and you kind of said something about protecting our institutions, about institutions mm-hmm. in general, and one institution that I really love that kind of will help you determine if how black you are uh-huh. um, is Black Twitter, right? Black Twitter. So, yeah. <laughs> Black Twitter will yes, let it you is know. A space. <laughs> yeah, speaking of new black institutions, yes, uh, Black Twitter is a new institution, and clearly, you know, like anytime you know something happens in black culture, Black Twitter is the first place. It's I think Black Twitter to me is like the new Apollo, mm-hmm. right? So if you say yeah. something. <laughs> If you mm-hmm. say something um, that we don't like, you know, Terry Crews, yep. Kanye a- West, um, who else has been destroyed by black Twitter? Stacey um, Dash. Stacey Dash. Um, <laughs> what's those, those, are the, those are the easy ones. Yeah. Candace Owens, <laughs> um, Ice Cube. You know, it, it's uh, black Twitter is one of those places. Um, so I guess, and, and that kind of goes back to the, the topic of like, what is black? What is black enough? Mm-hmm. Um is there something we can do or something do you think that's like detrimental to black culture to be like oh mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's that black enough or is it just really like accountability to the fact of like well it's you, almost like what are you doing because you black right right right, exactly. <laughs> right. i mean i i definitely think it's harmful when you get into trying to measure people's blackness mm-hmm. right like mm-hmm. um you know because we do come in a lot of we come in all which shapes and sizes metaphorically speaking right like you know um and you know we've all um i think that also you know allows for some of these like negative stereotypes you know i think as a black person you know obviously i could contractually 
um, obligated to love Barack Obama. But he mm-hmm. always used to get on my nerves, you know, because he would always be like, you know, black people telling each other that they shouldn't read and <laughs> stuff like that. Like he was kind of, I always felt like he was spreading myths about black culture. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, and that's some of the danger in it where um, people can kind of um, uh, overstate or exaggerate some of those kind of negatives. But mm-hmm. um, no, I think, you know, black Twitter definitely does that vetting work. Um, a folk, you know, I think Ice Cube is such a fascinating example because, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I mean, up until that stuff last year, he was unequivocally like epitome in some people's minds of like oh, just black blackness, <laughs> black masculinity, right? Like, and you know, and like I said, I think you know, we're more, um, there's more diversity within the black experience and, and black culture than ever before. And I think, you know, it's also, I think, um, it's probably not even fair to say that, you know, that, that he was out there on the island by himself. Like there's a lot of black folks, especially black men. Who oh, I'm sure. We're, we're rooting him on, you know, um, mm-hmm. and there's, there's this contest and disagreement about, you know, what our strategy should be in these elections and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, that wasn't um, it. No, no, <laughs> That was not it. I feel like the, the I understood plan, wasn't it? <laughs> what he wanted to do, but it was like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it wasn't it. And then the way it played out, you know, he, I just felt like he kind of got played yep. by, the, yeah. by the Trump folks. But That apparently. platinum plan was right over there with platinum fubu. <laughs> Iceberg. Iceberg. <laughs> Iceberg. But, but that brings up an even greater point. Like, you know, you know Scott, you're a Morehouse man. And there's something sacred about our institutions as HBCUs. Yes. Um, so much so that they kind of have this fraternal feel to them. And um, me and Brian was talking a little bit um, earlier and just saying, like, if if you wore um, a VCU sweatshirt, I, I would think nothing of it because I'm like, oh, he's just a fan, you know, of, of yeah, their team. from Richmond. You right. Know, yeah. You know, something like that. But versus <laughs> if I saw you with a Clark Atlanta sweatshirt, I'm like, oh, you go to CAU, you'd be like, nah. Then I'm kind of sad now. You're like, so why you got on this Clark Atlanta kind of hoodie? So I, I, I guess this is a part A and a part B. One, why are certain spaces so sacred, you know, outside of like, you know, fraternities were like, that's mm-hmm. like membership, right? But then on the flip side, should we be protecting some of our sacred spaces like HBCUs from not just from the colonizers, but from other black folk too. Yeah, that's a tough one. Like, <laughs> um, I mean, you know, I think there's degrees to it. Uh, mm-hmm. Morehouse is a, is, the, is a very unique place. So like, there's, yes, there's there's only one HBCU um, specifically specifically for men. I have seen Morehouse men force other black men out of Morehouse paraphernalia. They didn't go there. <laughs> okay. Just like they were in a fraternity. Um, at the time, I wasn't objecting either, you know? Um, looking back on it, probably wasn't cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, if I see somebody in Morehouse shirt, I'm assuming. I'm automatically like, assuming, yeah. You went there or you paid for somebody to go there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I think, you know, um Every place, every place has its own culture, right? Like, yeah. I don't think we are protecting uh, our institutions from other black people, um, but you know, we're um, we're saying this is what it, what it means to be a part of this thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, if you're a part of this culture, you know, these you need A, B, and C, 
if you don't have that, then, you know, <laughs> you still are people, but you're just not part of this, you yeah. know? Um, <laughs> so that's fine. Um, the, um, but, you know, I think these, the, the, they just have to be protected, right? Because um, to me, for just two simple reasons, right? One, there's so much invested in them, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, blood, sweat, and tears of um, (laughs) generations of our people, right? You know, because you just sometimes like, especially from uh, our white brothers and sisters, you know, well, we understood why you needed HBCUs back then, but why do you need them now? You know what I mean? Um, And there's a myriad of reasons why we still need them, but, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a fundamental reason of just like, yo, we we built this thing and we're going to continue to do it, right? Um, It's carrying on our tradition, um, all of those things. These places are a monument to the brilliance, um, the the, um, resilience and determination of our ancestors. Um, And then... I think, you know, we, the other reason is like, as I was saying, we still need them. Right. <laughs> um, right. We need, um, t- you know, these spaces where we are, have more control and power over our destinies, um, where we're mm-hmm. in a better position to support each other. Um, you know, these spaces that just, you know, give us freedom. You know, I remember, um, when I was at Morehouse a very long time ago, um, and I had a godbrother. He, um, was a year behind me in school. He went to Harvard mm-hmm. the year after I went to Morehouse. And, um, you know, he was we was having a conversation, I think, after his first semester or something like that. And he was talking about um, how he was happy with his choice because it was there was diversity at Harvard. And, okay. you know, oh, it's basically... Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but... but you know, sure. I mean, look, I went on to graduate school at a PWI, and I understand that like there's a there's something to gain too from being around like mm-hmm. a lot of different cultures. Um, but what I said to him then, and still believe, is like you know you get to embrace diversity beyond just your skin color, right? Like, right. right. You know, um, it, it, Morehouse, and I think a lot of HBCUs, you know, they're they're packed with, you know, the smart black kids from your from these schools, right? And mm-hmm, a lot of times mm-hmm. you can just get defined as that, like, or not even smart, but like the studious black kid or whatever, you know, uh, or maybe a mix of both. But I think um, it gives you the freedom to really figure out who you are outside of, you know, being the black kid and the talented class or um, sometimes for some brothers, you know, just being the only black kid at their school or whatever. Um, and you can tap into, oh, what actually makes me different in a, in a in a different way and i think just the freedom that those spaces provide um for like self-exploration and mm-hmm. all of that uh when you live in a society that wants to define you basically just you know uh based on the co- color of your skin what communities you come from um yeah so i feel like they're important to protect um certainly from the colonizers as you said but <laughs> yeah i think for black folks it's just like you know we're all parts of different aspects of black culture right and none Mm. of us are part of every part of it so i don't feel like we have to protect it from from our people we want it to inspire yeah the culture at large i think right because um y'all ain't keep that same energy with biggie and snoop and they have all that morehouse stuff nah not at all right you know what i'm saying and like will smith and queen latifah and everybody was wearing all through the 90s shows i'll put that biggie uh picture up on my wall like today (laughs) but yeah 
But you, you, yeah, you gotta. But you need a certain status. You know what I mean? That also <laughs> elevates us. You know? <laughs> no, that, that's right. No, that's true. Right. But no, nah, man. If you're listening, you can wear a Morehouse t-shirt if you want, bro. Unless you love Boosie, because Labusi okay. out here be wearing no, paraphernalia of anything things. And... He's bad for no. all things, as far as I'm concerned. Like, I don't even start on that, bro. Speaking of people who are <laughs> okay. getting, getting drugged by black Twitter uh, this week. He know, gave terrible. us a black national anthem and wiped me down and just and went downhill from there. And wiped me down. <laughs> I thought that was Webby's song. I get in arguments about this all the time. You know, I, you, low key, I think it is. Yeah. But I think Boosie has the best verse. For sure. So it's more, I think it's mostly associated with him. Boosie has the best verse on most songs he's on. Which is really <laughs> frustrating. <laughs> Given his current place in the culture. But Okay, so y'all, we kind of talked about as far as like black culture being sacred, and um, I was watching this video on YouTube recently, or was it YouTube or Instagram, it's on some type of social media platform, mm-hmm. and it was this black dude with this white girl, and they were kind of talking about, um, uh, I think her, her segment was, how to, ha- if you're a white girl, how to deal with a black girl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh um, my God, yeah. And of course, it made me itch. And she was going through all these things, like you can't touch his hair, and um, what does it? One of the things she ended up with saying is like, uh, "Oh, you can't say the n word." And she was like, kind of like, <laughs> like well, upset. No, she like, said, <laughs> "I saw it." She said, "You have to accept that he's going to say the n word first. <laughs> right, That's what she started. Right. That he was like, right. and that you can't say it. Right? right? Like, it was unclear how comfortable this brother was in the video when I saw it. But I didn't um, like it." Yeah, it was. So I didn't bad. like it. It and was then, so bad. It was so bad. And they ended with. I think she was saying like, and he's sensitive about his culture. He's sensitive about you know black culture and black history, mm-hmm. and like as if she was like offended, like as if it wasn't something we should be offended by. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of to me brings this conversation. Like you know, to me, black culture is really all we have, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's we create. Like you said about Morehouse. Like our culture in general is we created it, we cultivated it. And yeah. we come from people, you said earlier, as far as being oppressed, like we came from a culture where you stripped all our culture away. So what we basically did, we took and we rebuilt or we built our own culture in the United States. And it even seems like it, when we build things or do things, our culture gets colonized. It's like mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. do it and then they try to like, oh, that's nice. You know, do rags are cool. Let's let's Gucci. Let's sell these do rags for two hundred dollars. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, well, oh my well, God! Does Gucci really have two hundred dollars? I think so. Some I mean, some some clothing right. line. Yeah, yeah, some clothing line came out with, with do rags, and I'm like, uh, you can go to the, the Chinese beauty supply down the street for a Listen, dollar. A dollar. <laughs> you can get a pack of them for five. They can be like a twenty four pack for five dollars, probably. <laughs> oh man! But yeah. black culture is super sacred, and I guess that. So with the, why? We kind of heard about why it's sacred, but why do you think you know it's why are we why do we hold our culture why to like we, our chest? Like yeah, why are we sensitive about our culture? Yeah, why, I, we will fight for it. We will fight yeah, for our culture for sure. Um, I think yeah, I remember that, the video. I mean, that was the first thing she said, you know, and he, um, which I already knew things were going very bad at that point. Oh. Um, I mean, oh. the title of the video let you know things were going bad, but the <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think you've said a lot of it already. Um, I feel like another thing that I would add is um, we so often, you know, we've had to fight against the the kind of dominant society in the U.S. Mm-hmm. and dominant culture trying to define our culture, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's good. Whether it's like welfare queens or 
um, you know, the ways in which uh, hip hop was talked about when it first came out, or mm-hmm. you know, we could, a million different stereotypes and things like that that we can um, name that have been tra- that um, have been assigned to black culture. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, in the work I do, criminality is like the number one thing, right? This idea that black people are just more prone to be criminal, violent, whatever, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, or or or, and they've kind of a, a, abandoned the biological arguments right because that's kind of gone out of style you know <laughs> they used to love to do kind of a mix of both mm-hmm. so they really lean hard on culture stuff now right um right. you see it you know even when we're pushing back against police violence the first thing they want to you know try to say is that our culture is is overly violent and we should be addressing that or what have you so january 6th right then so, white folks <laughs> yeah but you, but you see their response to that you know if you as soon as you say it, their first thing is like, oh, what about all the riots this summer? You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. like, you know, they're constantly deflecting their own responsibility yes. for mm-hmm. um, the things with that are uh, harmful within the black community, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and placing the blame on black culture. And so I think, to me, that's that's a top reason why we should be sensitive about it, if you want to use that word. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like you said, hold it closely. Um but I think the sensitivity thing comes in is if you try to say something about black culture, we have to come out hard. Mm-hmm. Like, no. Right. <laughs> and, right. and define it for ourselves, right? And I think that's a constant back and forth that we're, that we're kind of having in the country. Um, yeah. Yeah, and like, and even piggybacking on what Brian said about January 6th, like, it's always when you just talk about, if you talk about um, criminal justice and all that it's always well what about Chicago yeah. and what oh, about Detroit oh, oh. and what about black on black crime and I'm just like Oof. you know as a policy student it's, it's crime and mm-hmm. if I'm and most crimes are committed within like neighborhood radiuses Boxing. so it's like if, if 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 I live around a whole bunch of black folk, the likelihood is that I'm going to rob other black folk. I'm going to, and it doesn't make anything right, you know what I'm saying? But crime is crime, and I think their defense, try to, like you said, to try to throw that back on us, is one of those things to further systematically push us back, um, and to kind of further define what our culture is through this kind of nuanced lens of racism and oppression. Um, but let's like shift a little bit and and talk through how do like I guess how do we take back the reins on that right like how do we when they say what about the Chicago or what about this or what about that or what about all these other things like how do we you know what I'm saying take that back and own it in a way that says no it's not just that but we have all these other great things as well yeah well I um I think we do a lot of it mm-hmm. you know what I mean I think we've been doing it um I was watching uh did either one of y'all watch Hip Hop Uncovered I think it just premiered this week. Not yet. I want to watch um, it though. It's on FX. It's about basically the gangsters behind, you know, the early days of hip hop. Yeah. Um, and you know, everybody if you if you've done your homework, you know, you know, um, from a commercial standpoint, hip hop was would have been viable, I think, without the backing of uh the uh non traditional economy. Mm-hmm. Like so um <laughs> but I think um it made me think just about because I was sitting here watching these people tell their stories of like, you know, being um, involved in all types of different, you know, criminal enterprises, what have you. And I was just sitting there thinking, like, this is super sympathetic telling of their stories, right? Um, because they were rooting it in the socioeconomic circumstances in those times in the late late seventies, early eighties, during you know, obviously the Reagan era and all of that. Um, 
and um, it just made me think about how hip hop mm-hmm. moving like like uh, to address the question and really tied into like a lot of the work that I do on criminal justice reform. Like hip hop has been, I think, extremely instrumental in shifting the um, the larger American culture around. Um, this idea of black criminality, right? I think mm-hmm. a lot of people's instinct would be to say, no, like hip hop has prom- uh, propagated the stereotypes of black criminality. And that's, that's certainly true to an extent. And um, so, um, But I think you, when you look at some of the common themes, like for instance, um, one thing I always say is the most common theme in hip hop across all genres, regions, styles, you know, nerdy, um back back backpack backpack hip hop mm-hmm. um to um most hardcore party music whatever like there's a through line in all of that about the police you will it's very rare to put on a hip hop <laughs> album and not hear a critique of the police and oh, i'm talking yeah. about going all the way back <laughs> to oh, yeah. today right like after police yeah and i think <laughs> when we hear it, we're like that's right cuz we cuz there's an affirmation of what we already understand as part of the culture right like black yeah. people are always talking about this but, you know, white kids in the suburbs started listening to those records. You know, they got an education. You know, I think it was, actually, I guess it wasn't Chuck D. I think he said somebody else said it, actually. But um, there's this idea of, like, early hip-hop being the CNN from the streets or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ways in which um, that those critiques of the criminal justice system made their ways into mainstream society through 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 products of black culture, right? And so all that's just come back around to your question, Josh, is just... I think a lot of it is the storytelling and mm-hmm. the one thing we do have, we got a lock on a lot of these cultural products, right? Like whether it's um, um, music, obviously, I mean, you know, black folks have really defined American music from the beginning um, increasingly in, you know, spaces around film, television. Um, um, but I think it's really important for us to be like pushing out our stories, even like I said, going back to the hip hop uncovered piece like um you know there's people have these stereotypes about criminality in the black community but when you actually (laughs) hear it from the black people who were there you get a better understanding of you're more sympathetic to it and you understand going you know because josh you brought up something i think is really important like policy earlier right like this this pathologizing of black culture is um almost always um utilized as a way to avoid making policy changes Mm -hmm. right like Mm -hmm. um well you know um um poverty exists in the black community because black people are lazy you know what i mean as opposed to you know obviously 400 years of systemic oppression aimed at keeping black black folks in poverty so you know to me i think that's a big part of it is just like um we can leverage our culture you know what i mean i think you know even i I know y'all's uh one of the themes here is like um Black culture, let me for this episode, black culture, it's all we got. You know, I kind of would push back a little bit on just like that orientation around scarcity. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? To be, um, to say, you know, we have a lot of stuff. Black culture is like, it's a, it's one of our greatest, you know, pieces of ammunition in this battle, right? Mm-hmm. Like we can weld it um, because uh, the our culture reaches beyond just the, you know, the borders of who, who we are. I mean, it also helps us inform us and keeps us tight, right? But um, so I do think that we can, we should be welding the culture to to do mm-hmm. that thing. And we do, 
we try to do a lot of work, you know, at Color of Change to create more of those opportunities, especially in Hollywood. Um, I think that's like one of those spaces where we really are, uh, it's really important that we are telling, you know, um, telling all those stories about who black people are, the different nuances of, of our culture um, to folks to, you know, to push back against the stereotypes. So I don't know. What do y'all think? Um, I think we're, I think we're doing a better job of, of telling our stories mm-hmm. and putting black people in places and spaces where it's like normal. Um, like right now, if we look at all, all three of our lives, we pretty much live in the suburbs of, of some capacity. I live um, in Southeast DC, brother. Sorry. sorry. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so I live in the suburbs. Josh lives in the suburbs. Um, for the most part, you know, we have the we're at home at the moment. We have office jobs yes. mm-hmm. in some capacity. Um, but like, you know, in, in, when white folks tell the story, we're not, we don't, aren't seen as this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but then you see like people like Issa Rae telling the story, like Insecure, yeah. you have, you see the different dynamics of black people. You see black right. people at brunch. You see black people, you know, at arts, in, in, in arts festivals. You see black people at art galleries. And then Issa made the photograph. Well, she was in the photograph and she was an art curator and the other guy was a reporter. So mm-hmm. I'm seeing it now. It seems like the more we tell our stories, the more we're putting ourselves in places that, that, are normal like black people are normally it like <clears throat> when white people do stuff it's like friends like there's no black people unless they're like a waitress or something <laughs> like that you know what i mean which or or girl or what's that white the white show um girls they were in brooklyn all right they were in brooklyn no and were like no black people on the show in brooklyn like you know i know brooklyn's gentrified now but like they, no black people at all in brooklyn so it's like i think we have to tell the stories to put ourselves in those spaces where we are normally yeah. are um, but white people aren't going to put us in those spaces. Yeah, I feel like just to build on the insecure thing, I think to me where we're at now with stuff like insecure um, and I don't know if y'all watched Black AF. A lot of people didn't like it, but I liked it. Um, <laughs> the, um, never mind that. Let's not say Black AF. But my point is I, I think they do even better than say the Cosby show, right? Which was mm-hmm. like just showed you that one aspect. I feel like insecure, like you tune in insecure, you gotta see a, yeah. a pretty wide, wide spot oh, yeah. oh, yeah. of, of black culture and, and, right. and black communities and lifestyles, right? Um, and that's the reality of most black folks, I think, right? It's like we move mm-hmm. within all those spaces, right? Like, um, you know, um, I mean, even when I got to Morehouse, like, man, there was Bloods and Crips in my dorm, you know what I mean? Like, they had to go <laughs> home to that, you know what I mean? Now, some, like, at least one of them is a doctor right now, like a brain surgeon. Wow. You know, but like I know he's still, I'm sure he's still got his ties. You know what I mean? Like I say, you know, he's still. He's, I'm sure he's not banging, but you know, he still got people school. people that are probably not that far from him, right? Who are still right, in that right. life and that he engages right. with. And I think that is to me like that's the those are the stories that I want us to tell because I also don't want us to like sweep stuff under the rug mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. you know um, paint some idyllic um, picture of who we are. Um, because I think that also leads to like the exceptionalism, the idea of exceptionalism, right? And right. Like, I think, you know, you can also experience that as like, you know, um, as black people as you become, as you get education or become more successful, right? Like, you know, people outside of the culture who want to 
kind of claim you for their culture, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if y'all experienced this. I have. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially yeah. a light-skinned black man. The question will always be, they try to figure out am I mixed, you know? Like, they, <laughs> want, they desperately want one of my parents to be white, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, um, but, uh, yeah, so I think, you know, um, I just like to see us telling those full stories because I don't want people to, to feel like, oh, this is one of the, the good ones, or they're they're totally removed from all of that other mm, stuff because right. Um, oh, that's good. One of the as, good ones. As black people, that's very very rare. No, that's true, and I think just adding on to all of that, I think part of us like doing doing that work is also living authentically in whatever our blackness is we talked about not measuring it right Um, because black folk we're not a monolithic group Mm -hmm. Uh, i say it all the time i i got three degrees and i still like my chicken wings fried hard with lemon pepper sprinkles there's there's duality to my blackness i don't have to choose you know what i'm saying like these whatever your cultural norms are Mm -hmm. um and then and really being kind of bold and outright and living in that level of authenticity like i'm in a space now where i'm the only black person within the organization mm-hmm. not office not department company uh <laughs> company oh yeah, th- yeah take that take that breath for me because i do that every morning <laughs> um and, no, and and increasingly it becomes like it becomes harder not yeah. necessarily to be me but kind of, but to navigate that space um because a lot of these spaces aren't necessarily designed for us to succeed in um and i feel like sometimes i feel like i was the token one like we got Josh, we've, we've met it. And so many times how they navigate around me and how they treat me really makes me feel that way. Um, but even beyond that, I make it a point not to be like belligerent, but like I am going to be Josh. Like even right now on my whiteboard in my office, there, is, <laughs> there are Angela Davis quotes for Black History Month because y'all are not celebrating. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to do you know, what, what I would normally do in any kind of capacity. And I'm, not going, and I'm not going to dumb that down because you may be offended by the truth of what what is my history and my culture and who I am and what I represent. So I really think living out like the full authenticity of who we are, regardless of space and place Mm -hmm. is us taking ownership of, of our culture and kind of redefining that narrative Mm -hmm. to those who are not a part of it. Yeah. And being willing to struggle for it. I'm so excited to see your Angela Davis quotes at your job. Like, I mean, (laughs) like, I think, um, that's the that's the real hard work, right? Like when mm-hmm. we were talking about how we have to tell our stories, is like when you when you're the only black person in the room and the onus is falling on you and you don't want that job, that's not what you signed up for. Not at all. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> um but that's that's a lot harder than like being on the set of Black Panther with all those amazing black people and Listen. creating something then just sending it out <laughs> into the world, right? Like <laughs> um even though it's like my life is like that, you know, working at Color of Change, you know, it's mostly brilliant black people, you know, trying to figure out s- solutions for our, our folks. And my day-to-day is a, is a lot less traumatic, you know, <laughs> because of that. Um, but, yeah, I do think, man, it comes down to, like, are you willing to, like, struggle for the culture? Like, I guess getting back to your initial question, I feel like the more that we're talking about it, the more it's becoming clearer to me, like, when we talk about how do we put some kind of... Um, container around black culture like what it means or is there like a bottom line thing and it's like are you for the culture i think that's mm-hmm. like one of my favorite phrases that have come out that have really emerged um you know over the last several years um because like when i think who's not who's a quote-unquote black person who's not black enough it's really it's easy tonight that we name some of them like, like clarence thomas mm-hmm. not black enough you oh, know what yeah. i mean like oh yeah <laughs> Oh yeah, I'm not, I don't have no issues about, about saying that because it's clear he's not in it with us. You yes. know what I mean? Um, 
So you could be, I don't care, you know, Muslim, atheist, Christian, uh, gay, trans, straight, cis, not whatever. <laughs> um, right. You could be poor, rich, educated, went to an HBCU, went to a PWI, went to whatever. The question is, are you for the culture? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and I think, uh, yeah, you know, um, to me, that's where, you know, like, you can draw the line. I think it goes back to, to what I was saying earlier around, like, black culture really being shaped around the struggle. Um, and most of the things that we see, even stuff that, like, you know, people like, um, like uh, gangs, for instance, like, mm -hmm. a lot of them were born out of the, the struggle for racial justice and, mm -hmm. and, and trying to, and to protect black communities. So, yeah. um, you know, some, some of the things, again, the systemic oppression contributes to kind of the bastardization of some of these ideas, you know, I mean, we, but we see that in all black institutions, even like, you know, some spaces within even the, the black church, right. Um, mm. that become toxic, um, even within HBCU culture. Um, you know, yeah. I remember we lost that brother and fam you cause from hazing from being in the band, mm -hmm. like, you know, some things just get too taken too far, you know? Um, but, um, yeah, the question is like, are these things, Ser serving the culture, serving the struggle. And I think that's one of the things with HBCUs, you know what I mean? Like we, we feel like they're serving it. I think that's why I think the black church is probably more contested than ever, mm -hmm. you know, especially with the younger black folks being yeah. less and less, feeling less and less tied to it. Um, you know, there's a question of whether or not it's serving, um, you know, the culture at large um, as the black church has also transformed, you know, as we've seen the emergence of like, um, uh, prosperity gospel stuff like that you know mm -hmm. i think you know we see the bait in the context of i'm not taking a side on that stuff but i just feel like it's a great example of the way that culture shifts and, and even institutions that have been there from pretty much the beginning can become more contested over time because the question is always being raised by some segment of the community it's like uh, is this thing serving us in, in our struggle and that's a good point i, I think like you said is the the idea of I, I don't when it comes to black folks like I don't mind you like disagreeing with I guess the because groupthink is never like the best thing right mm -hmm. um, but like don't do anything that's going to like kind of take us back you know what I'm saying like don't like you don't have to necessarily like agree on everything but don't like do anything to jeopardize the culture right. like don't do anything um, I, I think that's you know. I think why a lot of people had issues with like Kanye during his moment was like, you're like doing things and saying things that are kind of like pushing, like trying to, like you're like you're throwing stuff, mm -hmm. and we're sitting there trying to fight for stuff, and you over here just like wiping out, wiping that out. <laughs> or when 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 black people get on stage and be like at the uh, Republican National Convention, and they saying racism ain't, ain't real, and it's like like huh, you know what I'm saying? Like stuff like that is what <laughs> yeah. bothers me because you have all. The, <laughs> And, and the funny and the thing is, like, white folks would see, like, this, a hundred black people would be like, racism is a thing, police brutality is a thing. Mm -hmm. Let it be five black people yeah. tried out there and say, racism, it that's ain't that's real. That's not a thing. And then all the white people say, see, these black people, uh, <laughs> it ain't real. It ain't real. These black people said it. And that, to me, I think yeah. is the, the thing that bothers me the most when I'm like, okay, y'all not black enough and, and y'all not for the culture. And being mm -hmm. for the culture, to me, I think is the is the, the biggest thing um, when it comes to black folks. And that's how, it, I'm not, it's gonna sound bad, but that's how I judge black people based off of not necessarily stereotypical things in black culture, but like, are you, are you trying to advance the culture? And whatever that means, like advancing the culture, what does that mean to you? Um, are you doing that? 
Um, because I think we have a we're already fighting against I think, you know. Cultural colonizers. We're already fighting against people who are trying to steal things or um, uh, appropriate the culture. Yeah, we're already fighting against that, so we shouldn't have to fight against black people just trying to push the culture back. And 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 to kind of go kind of pivot a little bit when it comes to um, like the difference between cultural appreciation and appropriation. Mm. Kind of talked about hip hop. Um, Hip hop was was great, awesome, and then of course you have the Beastie Boys came along. Um, and then, like, 10, 15 years later, Eminem oh. comes along. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then another 15 years later, Post Malone comes along. Did you skip over Vanilla Ice, Brian? <laughs> he did. He did. <laughs> I did. I did. I did. Was a- Vanilla Ice was not credible. Like, the, the Beastie- uh, he had Ice Ice, baby. <laughs> but, the, the, but the Beastie Boys were like the Beastie Boys. The Beastie Boys are OGs, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. I mean, like, the Beastie yeah. Boys are like hip-hop pioneers. Like, they oh, yeah. were there very early on. It was in the mix with... A lot of the, um, a lot of you know the early MCs that we typically would name as defining the culture. Like obviously they like ex- became super experimental and started doing all types of stuff that like most black people ain't fit to listen to. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, so so what the question is? Where's the line? Yeah, what's the, what, what do you see the difference between a cultural appreciation and cultural appropriation? Yeah. And like, what about participation? I feel like that's how I would define the Beastie Boys or an Eminem. You know what I mean? Like, I would even define Vanilla Ice. I've read a deep, in-depth piece on Vanilla Ice a few months back. I like, was like, Vanilla Ice is kind of gangster. Like, you know, that was like, <laughs> that was like uh, the record label and everything put, you know, shined him up. Um, mm-hmm. But he was running with, you know, some pretty real black people back in Texas when he was coming up. But, um, but yeah, I think you like. Yeah, I think you could, like, I, I don't know. For me, I don't know where the line is. I just mm-hmm. know, like, what am I concerned about? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and I think, to me, it's around what things actually have value. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. You know, so, yeah. Like, if, um, you know, hip-hop has become this tool that has made a lot of money for our Definitely a lot of money for white people, but it's made a lot of black millionaires, even, mm-hmm. you know, seems like a couple billionaires uh, out there. Um, you know, we can debate all day about, you know, how much the individual accumulation of wealth, you know, actually benefits our community. But, you yeah. know, obviously, I think a lot of black folks do believe that. Um, so, you know, I think that that has value. I, you know, I feel like when I see one of with Jenner, Kylie, I don't even know what their names are, but, mm-hmm. you them, know, with them folks, the, the Kardashians right. yeah. appropriation. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. When I see them with box braids, I'm like, yeah, yeah that's probably appropriation, especially when it's like, they're being credited in the mainstream culture with like, oh, yeah. Flat some kind of innovation. <laughs> um, yeah. But I'm also just like, okay, what are we, what, do, what do we lose? Again, I'm not, whether there's appropriation, I think it's appropriation, especially appreciation. All right. One thing I would say about the line, Appreciation means you have to acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, so if you, you know, rock cornrows and you're like, look, I created a new hairstyle, <laughs> that's appropriation, right? That's just right. stealing. You know, like you didn't come up with that. Um, so I think, you know, that's what puts, you know, um, maybe that like Jenner example in there. But I still feel like, you know, they wear a hairstyle and then it's really the the like 
celebrity reporting infrastructure and new and media that says, oh, look, new style, you know, whatever. But I'm also just like, unfortunately, no black person has a copyright on cornrows or box braids, whatever. Like, I'm not fitting to fight about it. You know what I mean? I'm just <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> it's not costing my community anything, really. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're going to be out here with horrible cornrows. You know what I mean? Like, so do we even want to? get credit for that i don't know <laughs> um so you know for me it's it's like the things that i think we should prioritize in terms of like being on the lookout for appropriation are like when it actually is going to shift you know material conditions like you know if you know if, if vanilla ice had worked and like every um platinum rapper since then had been a white guy you know what I mean? Like, that would be infuriating <laughs> from an appropriation standpoint, mm-hmm, especially mm-hmm. knowing now how much um, economically hip-hop has done with, for at least some black people, right? So, um, yeah. What do y'all think? I, th- I think all of those things, and then we have to also think about the performative action mm-hmm. of white folks, like Nancy Pelosi in her oh, Kente Cloth Kneeling. <laughs> Oh. You know, it's just like, girl, we didn't ask girl. for this. We didn't, you know, we didn't ask for none. And I think that's the I thing, I think we too. did, though. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I mean, I think a black person. So, hey, mate, we. That's going to our original question. Yeah. <laughs> the, the black, even though we're not monolithic, the, the, right. the majority of us blacks, we didn't ask for that. We didn't ask for that. You know, and I think that's what we see even with a lot of corporations. Like, right, I'm, I'm, I'm on mm-hmm. LinkedIn you know, perusing and scouring and like all of these companies are changing their logos to red, black, and green. And it's just like, okay, and you've done what? Um, (laughs) You you, like, you've empowered the ERGs at your corporation. How? Mm -hmm. Like you've pushed the needle even within your, like your bubble in what ways, right? So I think there's a lot of performative action that happens too. Like we have, we talk about the appropriation and the appreciation, all those kind of things, but this performative nature that somehow gets you this get out of jail free card like Starbucks. I ain't forgot about all the right. things, right? You know what I'm saying? Like right. I'm gonna get my caramel macchiato, but I ain't forgot <laughs> about the things, right? Yeah. And and I think that is more so in our face. And like you said, like my beef ain't necessarily with the Kardashians because they like because we don't have a copyright on them. My beef is that the media says you created it and you won't denounce that. You run with it, and now you're selling, you know, thousand dollar bonnets, and because I think there was a white woman a year or so ago who mm-hmm. had like these forty dollar bonnets, and it's like, black women been wearing bonnets since like since since forever, you know? So what are you doing? And she wanted to create this website, so I think like when they don't actually, like you said, like when they don't appreciate it in the sense of saying, I this didn't come from me, I just like it, and you're running with a narrative that empowers you in a way that makes you a creator, that makes you a a, a, a standard barrier, so to speak. That's when I have the biggest issue, because yeah. um, I'm not necessarily opposed to you participating. I'm okay with Geezy and Post Malone yeah. and maybe yeah. you know Eminem and them, right? But Jack Harlow, right? Uh, yeah. Jack Harlow. Yeah, I mean he's okay, but but I'm gonna say, but I, I'm okay with that too, right? Just as long as there's a clear acknowledgement mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. the roots and the history. So while we may never have copyrights and trademarks, like acknowledge the roots and history of it all. That's why I, yeah. Brian Alboy was always fighting. 
You know, oh, Richard Penniman. Richard Penniman. Was always fired because he always. understood the roots and the origin <clears throat> of where rock and roll came from. So right. while he was, like, quirky and out there, like, at the root of it all, th- that was his about? point. Like, this is our stuff. Little Richard. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Little Richard. Yeah. <laughs> the magic pen, the innovator. Hell yeah. The architect that rock and roll. Yeah. He said he was you quirky. But the, <laughs> but the funny thing is, like, if you look back at the Rolling Stones and a lot of those, like, white bands from, like, mm-hmm. Europe, mm-hmm. they appreciate it and let people know, like, oh, yes. I got this from... Uh, like yeah. like uh, with Mick Jagger says, oh, I was trying to do a James Brown impression. Like mm-hmm. that was my inspiration. Like I'm trying to, but they they went back and they poured back into the culture. Like um, which which is interesting because like I watch all these documentaries and stuff like that. And uh, Mick Jagger's one that he's the one that kind of paid for the James Brown movie. And yeah. um, they you know pay for funerals. I'm and sure stuff he made like money that. off of that. <laughs> oh, he made money off of yeah yeah. Oh, he definitely but money but they, but. They they always come back and say like oh yeah, yeah this is this is from yeah. them like yeah they don't they didn't steal they just appreciate it and say you know what they participated yeah they participated and I I, I think I appreciate yeah. that aspect of it uh, when they um, when they paid homage but it's the it was the American groups mm-hmm. American musicians that were just stealing music and just going about their life like Elvis and. Some other folk we could probably talk about uh, yeah. that just stole the music well, and act like it was theirs. Yeah, well, I mean, just co- even like from a from the commercial sense, right? Like they existed as an alternative mm-hmm. to the to the black version, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. people weren't white people in America weren't comfortable with that. They were in too right. much proximity, <laughs> you know. Right. There wasn't that many black folks in England and London when Mick Jagger was acknowledging all that? Like it was a lot right. easier to do that. It's just like um, you could sometimes see a lot of these like. Again, going back to my work in criminal justice reform, you see Utah and South Dakota. You know they letting people out of jails and prisons because you know they they, they ain't black people, right? Like so, mm-hmm. sometimes the proximity actually, you know, I think up to fosters that stuff. I do want to go back to Josh's point about Nancy Pelosi and that can take off. <laughs> Man, um, that is one of the worst things I can. I mean, it, like every day it just ages worse and worse. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the thing that, that I was thinking about when you were talking about it, Josh, is like there's there's a certain um, aspect of like appropriation of black cultural symbols mm-hmm. that basically be, is like the liberal version of the pathologizing of black culture that conservatives do in, in the sense that it's the alternative to doing the policy thing, right? Like mm-hmm. instead of, you know... <laughs> um, Heeding the demands of black communities in the midst of that like protest moment that was happening last summer, they came out, put out Kente Costa, took a knee. You know what I mean? Like just like I'm gonna take all the symbols, you know, and present them back to you to say I'm with you. Uh, and you saw the corporations doing the same thing, which is like that's a real danger to me of appropriation, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, um, Sadly, I feel like James Clyburn be behind all this stuff. You know, mm. I don't know if, if people don't know James Clyburn is you South know, Carolina, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, um, representative out of South Carolina, he's the highest ranking black man in in Congress has been for for years. He's like third in the House in terms of positions of power after Nancy Pelosi and uh, Steny Hoyer mm-hmm. out of Maryland. And um, you know, he's also basically the guy who put Joe Biden in the White House, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. in, um, endorsing him right before the South Carolina primary. He's a kingmaker in mm-hmm. politics. Wells a ton of power. I respect him because he's, you know, gangster like that. But I also feel like he is becoming increasingly out of touch <laughs> and right. keeps making these recommendations. I don't know if y'all remember, it was like a month ago, he was like, we should make 
lift every voice and sing the national hymn of the United States. Um, I guess y'all didn't hear about that, but um, <laughs> I thought it was horrible, a horrible idea yeah, just yeah. because stop giving them our stuff. Yeah. They haven't earned it. You know what I exactly, mean? Like, right. like, y'all don't deserve that. They don't yeah, deserve that song. They don't, like, don't let us have it. it. Yeah. And, but it's also just, again, just like, uh, I think some, it's just a, it, it's like the heartbreaking thing about it to me is because I think James Clyburn is like a super savvy politician. And I feel mm-hmm. like when he's offering up these empty gestures, he's basically telling black people, look, y'all ain't going to get anything substantive. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. these are the things that I'm offering up. <laughs> like I can get right. y'all a song. I can get these white folks Ooh. to put on a, a scarf, you know, and take a knee. Right. But you know, y'all want <laughs> reparations. Y'all ain't even going to get that. You know what I mean? Like, um, so I just think, you know, again, that's like that's to me again a real danger. What can we what what can we really lose when people appropriate our culture? Um and, and that's one of it. It's like if we lose sight of the goals of, of why why we're why are we mad. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. yeah, I you know what? This I know for me and Brian, mm-hmm. we could probably go through all of these things for another two, three, four, five hours. But mm-hmm. <laughs> we got uh, we're going we're going to wrap up this conversation by doing mm-hmm. this, and that's playing some more cultural code games of this and that, and fill in the blanks. Mm-hmm. Okay, so these may be, um, I, I think they're easy, but they I don't I, I don't know where you land where you land on the subject. So okay. this or that, three six mafia, or Lejeune <laughs> and the East Side Boys. Oh, I gotta go with Lil John. Um, you gotta go with who? I have to go with Lil John again. These are personal experiences, like um, Three Six Mafia. Okay, I will. I do think that like DJ Paul is probably a more sophisticated musician and producer than Lil John. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was in the A from Ed Morehouse from 1999. To 2003. Okay. I was at Studio Central. I was at other places that I just won't name. <laughs> um, and you that man, that era, that crunk era in Atlanta, <laughs> I mean, just, just talk about culture. I mean, it was like, it was a powerful movement, you know? I, I and I feel like I would have to been in Memphis. See, I was there. Oh, are you? Are you I, I, I didn't realize it. Okay, okay. I was, I'm not saying your reaction now. Right. That's what I'm saying. I feel like I would have to been in Memphis, like, because because Dimitri Six Mafia's height was also slightly before that period too, like, mm-hmm. like late '90s generally, right? Um, but like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Is there a difference between Ted a Club Up and you could probably name five Lil John songs like that, like that at that point in Atlanta, if those songs came on, you was you either get ready to fight. Or get to a wall, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I, uh, <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. You was gonna get hit with bows, like, and uh, yeah, man. I don't know. Yeah, I'm going with I'm going with little John and the Eastside Boys. Okay. I would love to. Uh, what you gonna say about Thesis Mafia? You can't just let me say that. You from? I mean, I, I feel like in in some regards, Three Six Mafia are the originators of Kronk. Oh. <sighs> I'm, 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 I'm gonna put it there. We go back to Teddy Club, but who run it? We got that. I mean, I, I, I think mean. I think what we saw with Lydia and the Eastside Boys was that. I mean, Three Six Mafia, they walked, so Lydia can run. Correct. <laughs> if, if we, I give you, I give you that. I give you that, man. I never thought of that before, but that's real. Yeah, they they have, and and now they have a song together that's called Crunk Ain't Dead. So 
Is it? <laughs> Kronk ain't should, dead. They probably should let it go. It's a decent song. It's, it's, so, it's, it's, it alive? it's good. To, it's good to work out to. I'm not. I'm not gonna say I'm sitting in here rocking it on the. Wall I mean, I'm cool. I, I would love to listen to a new collaboration between them. I'm just being like, I just hate you know. Don't don't make your comeback about fighting for fighting for something Kong. that has moved yeah. on. You know what I mean? Just like make some music and you know, if it's if it's nostalgic, then all of us who were nostalgic for that will listen to it. But mm-hmm. I don't want to be up here. Fighting with the youth, talking about Kronk is still here. No, no, it's we're in the trap era. It's what it is. Right. All right. So this one should be super easy, right? Why didn't <laughs> y'all keep saying that? No, th- it is. This is this is this is this is this is this is this has a right answer. All right. All right. Why didn't Biggie want anyone to shoot up the place? Well, it might be. Um, oh, oh, oh. Why? There was some ladies that should be having his babies. That's right. That's it. <laughs> I feel like I'm not quite getting it perfect, but yeah. Ross would be so disappointed in you right now. <laughs> hey, but Ross, my my brother Ross is, did did give me the Ready to Die album when I was in the seventh or eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Life changing moment for sure. All right, last one. All right, Martin, the show, or the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Fresh Prince. I don't oh, know that was like quick. <laughs> He hates I ain't like Martin. You hate Martin? I'm going to hate is a hate is a strong word. Lean into that a little bit more. Lean into that. I was never I was never a Martin fan. Man. Yeah. I just thought it was a little too just like silly, mm-hmm. you know. Um I can watch it, you know what I mean? Obviously as a black person you have to be able to watch Martin because other people will subject you to it. But. Sure. <laughs> and there's like classic moments in Martin that mm-hmm. I that I love. Um but Fresh Prince, man, it was like that was a that was weekly appointment viewing for me when I was a kid. Um, so let me ask you and this. I was a big Will Smith fan. about stuff being that. super silly, how do you mm-hmm. feel about the Wayans brothers? I, I feel like. Oh, man. You know what? I have. One, I feel like the Wayans. We're talking about black culture. Mm-hmm. The Wayans <laughs> are the most underrated black royal family ever. I'll agree with that point. Mm-hmm. Ever. <laughs> like, they do not get. The credit they should get. They should be on the cover of Ebony at least once a year. You know what I mean? Like, why is that not a documentary about these people? That is true. I think part of it is because they they control a lot of their stuff, so nobody's going to be able to do that. But, yeah, I just think they're they're just so underestimated. I mean, when you look at what black people have done in Hollywood, I don't know who's made, what black people have made more movies than the Wayans. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's unfair because it's like, you know, 18 of them or something, but, (laughs) like... They have put out a bunch of stuff. Most of it, I can't watch. But, <laughs> you know, just from your point, but Josh was like, you know, I, I'm not fit to watch white girls. You know what I mean? It's just, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's not my type of comedy, you know, mm-hmm. for the most part. I really like Marlon off the, um, I like their stand-up, All the Wands. Okay. Um, and I like um, some of the stuff they've done. Um, I'm gonna get you, sucker. Is that the Wayans, I or is that so. Robert Townsend? I know that. No, that was Keenan, right? Keenan and yeah. Robert Townsend were making a lot of movies to the doing yeah. a lot of stuff together that time. But yeah, I think that was Keenan. That's a great movie to me. I think the stuff like that that really satirizes, you know, the larger culture. And I mean, I know that even like scary movie and all that stuff are a satire too. It's just like it's it's weird to me because I wouldn't watch, I wouldn't watch Scream. You know, I'm just not into mm-hmm. the genre that they're making fun of. So I'm like. I'm probably not even getting the jokes because I haven't seen the movies that they're making fun of. But um, 
there was that era when Keenan and um, what's the other older one? Damon. Damon. Mm-hmm. Were like action stars. Like, um, yeah. Uh, Mo Money. Mm-hmm. Um, the Last Boy Scout, which I don't think is a technically a Wayans movie. He just started that, but like they they did. Um, oh, you know what I loved? Uh, Major Pain. Major Pain was a good. So, it was a good movie. I, I like Major Pain. I like Major Pain. Um, and then I'm a huge fan of In Living Color. You know what I mean? Like to mm-hmm. me, In Living Color was a little more like had a little more bite to it. You know, it, it had cultural commentary, um, even though it was like um, kind of silly. Um, yeah. So I mean, I'm, I I think a lot of the Wayans just like from a from a hustle and business standpoint, they've clearly like they they clearly get it in. I think they've done a lot of really funny stuff, and then like you know some of this stuff I'm not really into. Like I didn't really like. The Wayans Brothers TV show. I just watched it for Pops, um, which I was a John Lewis yeah. <laughs> that's, that's um, the that, that was that one line right there is what we can we can be we can build a whole podcast off that. <laughs> I don't really like the Wayans Brothers. <laughs> I, that is vindication for me. Oh, is that how you feel? You that is how you know, I, you know, I, 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 the I, I like the Wayans as a, like you said as a family at what mm-hmm. they built. But that sitcom, if we can call oh, no, it that. Yeah. But I, I love. Can, I can watch it and I have a laugh. John, John Witherspoon was like the star. John Witherspoon is funny, right? But yeah, Josh. What about um, was the other their other sitcom? My wife and kids. Did you watch it? So I have feelings about. He does have <laughs> Michael Kyle as a father and husband, what but overall I, I'm okay with the show. It's not in my top five or seven or ten. Like yeah, I don't know if it's my top five, but I really liked. I really yeah, liked that. It was. Cool. Um, yeah, I think when they get to me, it's like you know, I like them when they get a little more confined. I feel like sometimes I feel like when they make their own movies, they just get so they, crazy. So, you know yeah. what I mean? It's, like, <laughs> it's almost like they need somebody a little more Hollywood, <laughs> like a network or something, to just mm-hmm. be like, okay, mm-hmm. let's trim it a little bit. You know, make it mm-hmm. a little more accessible to people. But man, they've had huge success, man. And I don't want people to take away from this to be saying that I don't like the Wayans. I didn't like the, the show, the Wayans Brothers. Uh, in some of the movies, but um, overall, I just think, you know, the huge, important contributors to black culture. Well, since we out there, top favorite, mm-hmm. your, your your top, your favorite black sitcom of all oh time. Oh, my God, you're going to give me it. <laughs> First of all, I mean, you know, it's a complicated question off top <laughs> okay. for obvious reasons. But I'm going to go ahead and say that number one is The Cosby Show. Okay, okay. Um, yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm not mad at it. No, no, I say the, I say the same thing. I just I just I don't openly yeah. say it because I don't want all of the oh so you just okay with Bill Cosby raping all these women? No, no I'm not okay with that. I'm not okay with that. No, but it's my favorite show. It's my favorite show. Yeah, I mean it was it was a great show, and I also just think that like if if we I'm I'm yeah I'm down for canceling Bill Cosby. He, I cl- clearly that many people don't accuse you of sexual assault unless you mm-hmm. fuck up to you or something. Um, but you know, that doesn't cancel Cosby Show for me. Look at all those amazing performances by all those other right, right. Um, black artists. You know, I just, I, I, I would hate to throw the whole thing out. But anyway, I put the Cosby, Cosby Show at the top. That's I'm fair. I'm not even mad at that. Yeah. Not me either. Who yeah. could be my, mad at that? I mean, you know, unless you, like I said, just raging against Bill's past. Um, I'm going to put the Fresh Prince at number two. Okay. Um, okay. I do feel like the Fresh Prince was like the point we were making about insecure. Like, um, you know, it it uh it 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 gave you a taste of like the even culture clash within the black community. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, yep. But it was also just really funny. I was a huge like 
Fresh Prince fan mm-hmm. before the show as a kid. That was the only real rap, you know, I could really listen to at the house with my parents. Um, but let's um, keep going down the list. Go to five. So I'm trying. Got, I'm trying. Yeah, I'm we trying. got. Let's 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 do five. This is very good stuff. Cosby, Fresh Prince. <laughs> I'm trying to avoid going. Um, living single. Living single. single. All right. Oh man. I just feel like I'm forgetting stuff. Um, you know, I mean, do I do I go back for like the Jeffersons? Yeah, if you um, want. Yeah. Jefferson, Sanford and Son, Good, Good Times, oh, all of them. a okay. different world. Sanford and Son is definitely my top five. Okay. Sanford and Son is definitely my you top five. You got one more. <laughs> you got one more. Who am I forgetting? One of the ones that people don't talk about anymore that I really liked was Rock. Back in the day. Rock? Okay. Okay. Charles S. Dunn is one of my favorite actors. Let's just throw Rock in there because they don't get no love. Okay. He doesn't get any love. Like no one talks about Rock. Nobody yeah. talks about Rock. I think sometimes deservedly so, but nobody talks about. Rock. See, Josh, you. I mean, you keep saying things, but not fully saying what your issue is. You're like, oh, I have issues with my cow, or deservedly so. Nobody talks about the Rock. I would love to hear your critiques of some of my favorite. Um, well, we need we have to do a whole podcast on Michael Chico, Michael <laughs> Kyle. That's 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 a that's a thing. I, I I did appreciate the show in some forms. Rock just, I mean, I don't know. I think it was a little bit before and above me in ways, and I just didn't like get into it. It wasn't a bad show. It just wasn't my thing, mm-hmm. and I'm not as familiar with Rocket. Like that's his real name, right? No, Charles no. S. Dutton. So that like, guy, not as familiar with his work outside of oh, Rock. So amazing. I don't. Amazing. Actor. I couldn't do it. But my top five are okay. and this is in order. Oh. See. Living single. <laughs> okay. A different world. Oh, see that's what I forgot. I knew I was blanking on something. Yeah. Oh. The Fresh Prince. Um I would have to go Cosby at four and then good times. Okay. Just that, that, that's I gotta I, mean. I gotta take Rock out and put in. Um, <laughs> yeah. Different world. Different world, yeah. Yeah, different world. I knew I was blanking on something. Minus What's season up? one, because that was just like pre-Debbie Allen. It was, With the white girl on there? It was just, you know, it wasn't bad, but it was just like, what are y'all doing? Like season five of Living Single, like clearly this is about to end. And y'all just winging it. <laughs> you, you, you a student of these black sitcoms, though. Oh, you down to the seasons oh, yeah, I'm a, bad. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I am a black culturalist. <laughs> <laughs> sitcoms ain't really my lane. Uh, are we going to get, Brian, you going to give us a Brian, time? go ahead. Uh, uh, so Cosby is definitely number one. Like mm-hmm. it's, Cosby, Fresh Prince, um, what else? Sitcoms. Y'all said some already. Um, Go ahead, K for the Wayne's brothers. Y'all, you be all in the group chat, K for the Wayne's. You be dragging <laughs> me for not liking it. I wouldn't say it's top five. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I wouldn't say it's top five. Y'all mentioned some already. What did y'all, what did y'all mention? Y'all mentioned. Uh, Said uh, you said Fresh Prince Cosby. Fresh Living Single definitely is a top five. It's a black, it's like a great show. Living um, Single walked so girlfriends could run, so Insecure could sprint. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, I, and I will say, I actually went back and started watching Sanford the Sun. Sanford the Sun is definitely top five. And then for the culture, a, a different world. Okay. I feel like you've had Martin on your list before, Brian. No, no, no. Not in the top five. I feel like you've had no. Martin on your list. Not top five. I feel like a you and Chris have had Martin on that list. No, no. no. Martin is Chris's favorite show. Oh, I, know. I think I think I think either Fresh Prince or, or Martin is Chris's favorite show. Like I said, I, I like Wayne's Brothers, I can watch it and laugh. Martin, I'll definitely watch it and laugh. I know episodes, I know mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. 
Um, but as far as a call like a top five, nah. I think a lot of people would. I would say that there's people listening right now who are like, these three bougie Negroes. <laughs> I don't have like, Martin in their top five. But. Martin is definitely like a six or seven, though, depending on okay. the day. It's, it's an honorable mention. Yeah. Like, okay, like uh, my favorite episode is the one with Hustle Man. Like Tracy Morgan's yeah. performances when he had the freaking kazoo on the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> had, a, had a kazoo on the dirt saxophone. Like, that's one of the funniest episodes. <laughs> funniest scenes ever. Yeah. <laughs> All those, like, extra characters are my favorite part of Martin. Like, um, oh, yeah. Brum Man from the Fifth Floor. Mm-hmm. Um, Jerome. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, that's those are my favorite parts of Martin. Like, the yes. day-to-day, like, you know, him and Pam snapping on each other. Mm-hmm. It was kind of entertaining or whatever. Yeah. But, like... Martin was just so over the top for me as, oh, yeah. like, as a comedic actor. But two of the over the top moments, I know we're going to wrap up, is when he fought that puppy thing in, in Chilliger's <laughs> Island. That's funny. And though. when he fought that Rottweiler when they were doing Oh, that. the Rock. Oh. <laughs> That's funny, though. They That's were funny. funny. As, as much as over the top as, as Martin was, it was like, I think it was that we what made it funny. It's like, it's so over the top and bad. That it made it funny. Well, right. That's, Pam was fighting yes. the, the rat. Thing. The dog. When he fought the dog, that is a perfect example of where it was like, we don't, we're not even trying. You <laughs> yeah, know what it's I mean? clearly like, a stuffed dog. Yeah, it's like, we, we're not even going to make an effort to try to get you to take this seriously. It's just, we're just going to be so ridiculous that you're still going to have to laugh at it. And I, I did laugh at that. Yeah, hey, I laughed at it. I ain't going to lie. Okay, well, that is another episode of, 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 of episode of the living room or part of the living room. Yeah. Uh, we talked about black culture. Um, Scott, we appreciate you for joining us. Uh, we have another segment coming up uh, about black men's self-care. You want to stick around for a little bit? Sure, I can stick around. All right. Woosa. 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 All right, we are here at I Am My Brother's Keeper Black Man Self-Care where we talk about how we as black men do things for ourselves mm-hmm. to make us, you know, Feel better about life. Uh, so we have a, a guest stick, stuck around with us. Scott, what are you doing this weekend to, I guess, take care of yourself? Uh, I'm glad y'all do this. Um, I think, one, I just, you know, I s- said earlier in the pod that I'm on sabbatical right now. So I just want to lift that up. Is that like, you know, I'm in this period of uh, extended self-care, which is not my normal um, orientation to the world. So mm-hmm. I've been thinking about these questions and I definitely recommend, you know, um, my organization gives you a sabbatical after five years, and I, you know, everybody should, companies, organizations should do that. It's good to avoid burnout. But uh, this weekend, I think a couple of things. One, I'm just going to, you know, do the dad thing, which is okay. always like mm-hmm. re- rejuvenating for me. I'm just going to kick it with uh, my daughter. She's eight, and uh, we just be silly together, and, you know. And uh, make TikTok take, videos. Yeah, take your mind off stuff. I hope I don't make t- like it, <laughs> when you see me in a TikTok video. I was definitely coerced. Um, that is not how I hope it, the father daughter time will go. But uh, you know, I'm pretty much gonna do whatever she says. So I'm like maybe uh, other things. Yeah, I've been reading this book, um, Children of Blood and Bone. It's uh, mm. African based uh, kind of fantasy novel. Um, it's you know, about halfway through, it's getting really good. So I'm hoping to knock that out over the weekend. That's my, you know, between those two things, get that um, engagement with uh, with the seed, and then that some quiet time um, to just, uh, you know, get lost in a story is is probably my number one thing. I love science fiction um, and fantasy stuff. So, um, and I love black literature. So I'm always um, looking for those types of stories and. Uh, 
gotta go over here folks to check it out children of blood and blood and bone and uh my favorite author in general is octavia butler if you were looking for black science fiction yeah, that's my that's what i'm gonna try and do nice okay black science fiction i you know i never i didn't know that was a genre i didn't know it was a thing but it's, it's important octavia butler that's, your, that's a number one author man i got like eight books i'm gonna bring you one brian please do i'll read it i'll read it um josh what are you doing Sure, I'm giving my wallet a rest from Valentine's Day weekend, um, so I'm <laughs> going to be intentionally sitting down, and uh, I've, I've been rereading the, um, the autobiography of Malcolm X this month, so hoping to wrap that up. Um, it's, I mean, it's every time I, this is only my second time reading, but I'm discovering so much more now, because mm-hmm. I read it for the first time in high school, so like now as 31-year-old Josh, I'm, and then I saw like the docuseries on Netflix, Who Killed Malcolm X? So it's like, oh, I'm reading it from a different perspective now, and it's really... And then I just saw One Night in Miami like a couple of weeks ago. So like all these kind of refreshing... Yeah, he's, he's in my heart. I said, let me pick this thing back up and let's give this another turn. Uh, so that's going to be me, man. Just chilling with a book and kicking back. How about you, bro? Uh, probably just not, not reading. Uh, you okay. know, I do, I do read, <laughs> but that sounded really bad. Black people are not monolithic. You can't <laughs> said that earlier. <laughs> Both of you, I'm gonna read me. You out here making like, Obama sound right, man. <laughs> Y'all talking about I'm gonna read this week, and I'm like, I ain't doing that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna watch TV. Um, I'm gonna do I that too. <laughs> right, I'm gonna join chill, man. Like I'm, I'm trying to fight this cold. Uh, I'm gonna try to do a lot of sleeping. If if it's not gone by like Saturday, I'm probably just get some Nyquil and just sleep as much as I can sleep, um, and try to fight this cold so I can be better. I hate being sick. And it's not the Rona. We got tested, so I'm gonna say that again. That's good. That's good. <laughs> I want to live. <laughs> well, all right, brother. That sounds great. Um, Scott, thank you again, man, for being you, man. on the pod. This was an amazing, amazing conversation. Um, but we're about to get ready to wrap up, and we're about to go into the PO box. Brian, you ready to do that? I am ready. Let's go. Oh yes, wait a minute, Mr. Bozeman. All right, good people. Here we are at the P.O. Box and, you know, temporary, you know, you know, um, usually that's what, why can't I talk tonight? Usually our good brother, B. Allen Hare will, you know, will be, you know, reading the question and things like that, you know, introducing us to the people. But, you know, Uh I I really want my brother to take it easy a little bit. So I'm going to step in on today's episode. I'm sounding like Dionne Warwick right now. You you do sound like Dionne Warwick. (laughs) You sound like, hello, this is Dionne. (laughs) I love when she introduced some videos like that. Like, we don't know that you're Dionne Warwick. Uh, But I'm going to pull into the P.O. box and I'm going to see what we got. So let me me go over here real quick and see what's going on. Oh, we have a letter. Okay. Uh, her pronouns are. Oh, before we get started, please understand that you can always submit your questions your, and and your commentary to askthegxr at gmail.com and yep. we will read your questions out loud on the show. Um. Yep. So, okay, pronouns. She and her. Okay. So, Black History Month, Brian, I need you to come with it. Oh, but Black strong black pseudonym. Um. I'm gonna I'm gonna use a real name, uh, and it's for Black History Month. Okay. On the strength of just Black History Month, Fannie Lou Hamer. Oh, okay, Fannie Lou Hamer. Fannie Lou Hamer. <laughs> Fannie Lou Hamer. So Fannie Lou Hamer writes as such. <laughs> she says, "Hey, Josh and Brian, please don't read me for fear for this question. Oh God. Oh God. 
I don't know how this will start. I don't know if you want to put Fannie Lou Hamer on that. Please don't right. be fulfilled for this question. But this has nothing at all to do with me. Right. Since Netflix and Hulu made the game available for viewing, I cannot unsee this show without the lens of my adulthood. The show was full of toxicity and it got progressively worse as the seasons kept going. How did we tolerate this stuff? Why did we even think it was good? Don't get me wrong. The stuff was entertaining, but really nothing more than that. Jason Pitts is probably the worst character there was. <laughs> and Blue, a.k.a. Lawrence from Insecure, has major insecurity issues that he consistently projected on Lauren London's character. Okay. I want to blame Mara Brockakill, but I hate to do that to a black woman, especially during Black History Month. But girl, <laughs> anyway, what do you all think about the show? What are your takes on the relationship and dynamics of the characters, etc.? I just need to know that I am not alone in my feelings about this low but really hockey garbage of a sick Ooh, garbage. And this was written by Fanny Lou Hamer. Okay. You want to go first? Uh, sure. Go I can go first. I'm going to keep it short because my, my throat is, is, is not good right now. Um. Uh, uh. <laughs> uh, let's 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 go with this one as far as and I, I kind of felt bad about you know dragging black folks on Black History Month, but if that's how you feel, that's how you feel. How you and feel. as black people in black culture, we got to hold each other accountable to um, the stories that we do tell, mm-hmm. um, which we talked about in the living room. Um, Mara Brockakill, of course, she did Girlfriends, um, and then also watching. Her show Love Is, which I really wish they would have continued to do. But the reason why they didn't continue to do it because her husband had some allegations of some toxic behavior mm-hmm. with employees and mm-hmm. on the set and mm-hmm. stuff like that, which mm-hmm. kind of makes sense as to why some of these storylines may be the way they are. I'm not saying things are what they are. Are true. We just saying what we say. <laughs> well, right. Um <laughs> So just to, I guess, put that into context, yeah. um, I guess I'm going I'm to go this direction. Like I know the older we get, we look back at old sitcoms like Moesha and Fresh Prince and Martin, all that kind of stuff. And we look back as adults, we're like, why were we watching this stuff? Like this stuff is toxic. This stuff is this, this stuff is that. And I think it's healthier to, to be able to see things as an adult to be like, this is this is not right. This is not good. This is not normal behavior. Um, but I think there are some people out there that probably can see themselves in some of this, some of these episodes, even yeah. though they're, they're so wrong. I'm sure there's somebody out there, sadly, that can kind of see themselves in these characters. Sure. Um, like, I'm sure I'm sure we know some Tasha Max out there. Mm-hmm. We know some people who have dealt with the man school Tasha Mac relationship, like mm-hmm. the down talking to the younger person or the person who may have came from a certain background who was quote unquote ghetto, the person that came from a silver spoon background, they, they have that issue. Um but then also some of the romantic relationships where like Derwin Davis was like the worst and he drug um was her name Melanie? What was her, what yeah, was her Melanie. name? Melanie was her name. 
like he got, didn't he get like a, a he cheated on her, got another girl pregnant after. Yeah, there's context to that, but sure. But, I, that was know, that was the least of his indiscretions, actually. But but you know, and he always come back apologizing, and then so there are all these toxic relationships. But I, I'm sure if you go through your friend Rolodex or people you know. You could probably point out some of those characters and some of those relationships and be like, you know what? So-and-so may have that type of relationship or so-and-so acts like that. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's great that you can see that it's 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 toxic and the show may have been trash. But I think that's also the great thing is that you are mature enough and aware enough and emotionally intelligent enough to see when things aren't what they should be. Uh, and then also to call that out. So I guess that's my take on it. I don't know if I answered the question, but that's what was just my take on the question no i think that's all fair and i think the only thing that i would add well, a couple of things i would add is that i've recently been watching it too i'm actually on season seven <laughs> now because netflix premiered it you know as far as they're like strong when they did all those shows with like Motion and everything but hulu actually like netflix stopped their season three like the upn hulu uh-huh. picked it up from like all of it um, the BT, all that kind of stuff. So, so I've been watching and I've been increasingly irritated too by a lot of the characters. Like Jason Pitts got really bad as the show continued. Um, to your point, Durbin was trash, but Melanie became tra- a trash box mm-hmm. toward the end, you know, toward because you know, I, I don't think they were in some of the BT like the last couple of seasons. You know, right. it switched from them to to focus on Lauren London and. Blue, aka um, Jay Ellis, aka right. Lawrence, you know, from Insecure. Um, but I, I think I agree. I don't know that I have anything to uh, anything else other than to add the fact that I think some of the like Tasha Mack was the most consistent. Oh, yeah. Um, like that doesn't make it that's not good, that's not praising her, but she was right. the most consistent from right. beginning to end as far as like who she was and what she represented. Mm. I think some of the things I think there were some very um questionable while things may have been true to football culture and things like that i think there was some very questionable moments um especially like with malik tasha's son and just how he navigated spaces with women and like some of the stuff was real i mean real like cringing right to watch um like this really was on like this was on upn like you know what i'm saying like right and then i know it went to bet so they had a little bit more range but like Dang, you know, so I get it. And yes, it is entertaining. And I've been cringing while watching some of it. But I think that's just that process. Like like we talk about on the podcast a lot of times, that process of learning and unlearning right. stuff that we were taught. Because, um, for example, like I said, I've been rewatching it. So um, Blue, Jay Ellis's character, Lauren London, like they was doing this whole back and forth thing. Mm-hmm. He got pissed at her because she had sex with somebody else. And like but when they were on their little breaks, he was smashed. Like he was literally having like, I think it was one scene where like four women walked out of his bedroom. Wow. But you're mad because she had sex with one other one person. Guy. You know what I'm saying? And not even when y'all yeah. were together, it was a during those times where y'all were broken up or not officially, you know what I'm saying? So just like, and I understand that's not nothing new, but just the, the raging dynamic of him, you know, mm-hmm. I'm calling basically saying, they, they used the example of a car and said, oh, you just out here like a taxi cab. Basically call her a hoe. Mm. She had sex with one other person, but yeah, you're out sure. here. 
you know what I'm saying, doing everything that you do. So it's like those kind of things that's like, I don't want to say, I don't want to blame Marbrock or Kiel, but it's kind of shocking coming from her. And I get it. Like, girlfriends have some very toxic things in it, too. But, like, right. you know, it, it definitely makes you scratch your, your head a little bit and make you rethink, you know, some of the things that we enjoyed and why we enjoyed them. But um, I think you raised some really good questions. And I don't know that you, I don't think that you're alone at all. I think that blackness, you know, since we're talking about culture, it's not above critique. Right. And I feel like, you know, while I would never tear the show down and just say like, oh, this is, you know, throw it in the trash. I do think that we have to, I do think we owe it to ourselves to have these kind of discussions around yep. it. And maybe, Brian, we could just like do that. Maybe we could take a couple of episodes from different stuff mm-hmm. and just dissect them and just really have conversations about like the toxicity of black masculinity or the fragility right. of it. You know, yep. like so. Thank you because you're like you just help produce maybe a future episode. So appreciate yeah. that, Fanny. Um, but yeah, that's all I got. Yeah, I, I watch it too, and I feel some of the same things you feel. I feel all the things. So, um, Brian, you ready to wrap up the show and get into some greater conversation and close us on out real quick? Yes, let's do that. Let's do it. Let me talk. Let me talk. All righty, we are here um, to have a greater conversation. This is our point where we rant and rave about a few things. Brian, I don't, I do have something. I almost said I didn't have nothing. I'm going to go real quick because it's going to be short. Boosie, <laughs> shut up. That's really, that's, that's really the thrust of it. Shut up. He made a comment about Lori Harvey and how she isn't goals and basically saying, guys and women, if you think that she's goals, you're basically telling your daughter that she wants to be a slut by sleeping with seven or eight men. Last time I checked, sleeping with seven or eight people don't make you a hoe. It makes you what you are, a person that slept with seven or eight people. It's just what it is. Uh, and I think that comes back to that thing of that, that misogyny, that double standard. Like a man can have 20, 30 women under his belt. But as soon as a woman, you know, goes past, you know, that that fifth finger on the hand, now all of a sudden she's a hoe in some regards. And the only reason why you're making these things about her being tossed around is because she happened to be in the spotlight and be dealing with celebrity and high profile men. If she was, you know, your regular, you know. I don't want to say average one, but you know what I'm saying? But like your non-celebrity woman, you know what I'm saying? I don't know that you would be consider her past around. Like what if somebody was in seven relationships over the span right. of their life and they had sex at least once with all seven of those people? Does that make them a whole? And even if it wasn't a relationship, who business is it that's, that's who's in her purse? Mm, and why right. does that concern you, Boosie? You need to be worried about the fact that you like, there's so many things that Boosie could be worried about other than the fact of what Lori Harvey is doing with her body and right. how and what people want to us. Like, I'm not mad that you're making Lori Harvey goals. I'm also not mad if you want to critique the fact of why she is a goal. But one critique that we're not going to have is what she chooses to do and how she owns her body and her right, right to navigate life sexually. That is right. not our business. Right. At all. So that's all. Boosie just shut up because time after time, and time and time again, time. he's proven that he does not need access to any type of platform he unless doesn't. he is like doing the 20th anniversary celebration to wipe me down. Beyond That's that, it. we don't want to hear from you, Boosie. We want nothing from you, Boosie. We want nothing from you at this point. And that's all. It's all for me. Um, speaking of nothing, uh, okay. I'm going to keep it quick because my voice is going to go out. Speaking of nothing, uh, trash and trash human beings. Um, 
Tim Boyd, the mayor of Colorado City, Texas. For those that don't know, if you've been living under a rock, Houston, a lot of the South has been hit really hard with snow and ice storms. Uh, so a lot of people out there are literally freezing to death, mm -hmm. um, hungry, starving. Uh, people are dying. Um, and this fool um, took to social media to kind of voice his complaints. And I quote, he says, no one owes you or your family anything. This is the mayor. No, no one owes you or your family anything, nor is it the local government's responsibility to support you during these trying times like this. Mm. He went on to say, only the strong will survive and the weak will perish. Mm. Mind you, people are dying of, of they're freezing to death. Some people are dying because they were in their cars trying to use their cars for heat. Um, people are, you know, just all kind of bad stuff is going on. And this fool decided to get on Sissy Tyson's internet. Yes. And literally tell his constituents that he or the government doesn't owe them anything. Last time I checked, you are a you are a, what they call a servant. You are, you serve the people. You serve the interests of the people. People voted you in. Um, and then the fool decided, he, he called people lazy. He literally called people lazy um, and said they're looking for a dang handout. In the, in the middle of a darn snowstorm, and people have nothing, you're saying they're asking for a handout. In the middle of a snowstorm, in the midst of a Panini Press. Right. Right. And <laughs> like you're, you're, there, people are asking for the, the bare necessities shelter bread and water they're not asking for five thousand dollars and asking for anything outrageous he was mm -hmm. getting upset because people were calling and asking for help and trying to see what could be done to help the people's pipes were bursting in their homes um floods houses are being flooded um it's all kind of crazy about there you have the nerve the the mitigated gall to sit there and say uh, people are lazy to ask for handouts and you don't owe them anything. Luckily, this fool resigned. Um, but I think this just really makes us, I guess, really shed light on the fact that there are people that are in, in political spaces um, and in offices who are completely trash. They don't care about you. They don't care about anything but themselves. Um, so I'm glad he resigned. Y'all should have ran him out of town. Um, he just shouldn't deserve, um, that's what sounds like, he shouldn't deserve to live because he don't care about y'all. So why should y'all care about him? Um, he can go with wrestling ball is right now. Oh, and okay. that's hell. <laughs> oh, and I think that concludes right. another episode of the Jigsaw Podcast. Um, we gonna just wrap up real fast because my brother's over here struggling. I'm, str I'm struggling. Right He's right. struggling, and we appreciate his effort and due diligence of getting even getting on the I mic and record. He pushed, pushed on through, through. for y'all. So, as always, you know, we thank y'all for listening. Thank y'all for hanging out with us during Black History Month. But also, you know, you can find us. You can reach out to us on our website by going to www.3w's.thejigsawpodcast.com. Uh, and check us out there. We're on Facebook at The Jigsaw Podcast. We're on Instagram at The Jigsaw Podcast. You can follow Brian personally at yep. I am Brian Hare. Um, you can follow myself at I am Josh Rogers. And you can catch us here every single week, every Thursday in your streams and in your feeds. And be sure to be with us next week as we close out Black History Month with our banger. Yep. 
It's going to be something real special, something you want to be a part of. Um, so be sure to continue to share, subscribe, and rate. Leave your positive comments. Five stars only. Only. And show all of our guests. We have some amazing guests this month Yeah, definitely. so far. Uh, so make sure you go back um, and show them some love. Look at their handles. Figure out what they're doing, merch, and all the other type of things. And um, let's just get into it and celebrate and support and love on Black folk. Uh, so without further ado, we just want to let y'all know uh-huh. that you can only do what you can, while you can, in the very best ways that you can. But in the all of that, mm. don't you get caught with your work undone. Don't you do it. We love y'all. See y'all next week. See y'all.